Hello and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 98 and it is Tuesday, November 14th, 2017. I am your host, Victor Omoyo, and with me as always is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. You know, I thought you was going to put in more emphasis on the 98, so that's why I put my hands up to put 98. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I think you you put in enough uh, enthusiasm on your end with the hand gestures. Yeah, I was gonna put. I you know I just thought there was gonna be more, so I'm like ninety eight. Yeah, but it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. But I'm good. That's good. How you doing? I'm all right. Just all right. Yeah. 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 You sure? Like you need need some water or something? No, I'm good. <laughs> all right. I'm good. Yeah, we are. We're back. Uh, the road to episode one hundred is almost at an end. Too close, Jesus! Like this thing went by fast. It did. Yeah. Uh, episode ninety. Episode ninety eight. We are on. So episode one hundred comes out uh, Saturday, December second, uh, twenty seventeen at Rock Hogos. More details to follow as uh, the next couple of weeks roll by. Um, uh, yeah, so today we're gonna we're gonna be talking about Comic Con, Rhode Island Comic Con 2017, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, our experiences, what we liked and whatnot, and we got a bunch of nerd stuff as usual to get into. So because we about that life. Yes, we are. We are about that nerd life. I didn't choose a nerd life, people. The nerd life chose me. I'm just a flat out nerd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yes, uh, Carl. As you're setting up the Facebook Live feed, sharing it with our millions and millions of viewers, um, we, we can dream. Uh, what have you been up to this past week? Damn, I got to stop. That means I got to stop. For my... You take it over. All right, I'll take it yeah, over. Yeah, you take it over first yeah. while I get this done. Because I end up losing track and stuff, and then people lose what we, what we talked about and all that, and it just becomes a mess. Yeah. On I... my end. I hear you. So yeah, uh, for me, um, I've been up to a couple of things. Uh, first off, uh, last Thursday, I went to the Newport Art Museum as part of the uh, Providence's uh, Art and Design Film Festival. And uh, there was a screening for this new movie that just came out called Loving Vincent. And it's an awesome movie. And uh, it was directed by uh, two directors, uh, Dorota Kobiela and Hugh Welchman. And this film was interesting because it's about, uh, it's like a tribute to uh, the, the painter Vincent van Gogh. And though the beautiful thing about this movie is that it's actually the first film to be entirely uh, animated, animated with oil paintings. So, oh, yeah. So, so the film consists of uh, 65,000 frames. Each frame is literally a painting, an oil painting on canvas. And it was a, uh, and it was an, uh, a team of 125 artists who worked on this film for over a period of four years. So what they did was uh, they actually ha- they actually had actors you know perform the scenes live via green screen. Mm-hmm. So you had actors like uh, Douglas Booth, Chris O'Dowd, Jerome Flynn, who was brought on Game of Thrones, uh, Saoirse Ronan, and Robert Gulagzik. Gulagzik, I'm I'm mis- I might be mispronouncing his name, who plays Vincent Van Gogh himself. And all the actors they would perform all the scenes on green screen. And they would use Van Gogh's paintings as a visual reference. So after that, they would uh, rotoscope their performances via uh, via the painting. So as they're moving, so each frame, the artist would actually paint each frame by hand on, a, on an oil painting on a canvas. And then as the, to animate the frames, they would animate the, they would draw or paint the characters. 
they would then erase of uh, their their painting and start all over again. To, Jesus. Yeah, it was it was pretty is it was pretty uh, labor intensive to say the least. That's that's draining. <laughs> yeah, just to just to animate a uh, 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 animate a single frame, you know. But um, but it was it was it was excellent. Like just watching it unfold like uh, on on canvas. And what's cool is that like when I watched it at the Newport Art Museum. I mean the the screen that the projection the projected screen was was canvas so it was it was like literally watching a painting come to life right before your eyes and uh the film itself the story itself is pretty cool um it's about this uh this guy named uh Arno who's who's uh who's who sets out to uh deliver a letter Vincent van Gogh's last letter to his brother Theo and um and throughout and throughout the throughout his uh his his journey, if you will, he meets uh, other people who are also subjects of Vincent Van Gogh's paintings, and Arno himself was also a, a subject as well. And he and as he talks with each of the people that he comes across, um, the the film would flash back to Vincent Van Gogh's uh, you know last days, you know what he was up to, and like how he you know got to know and uh, and how he affected the other people that he met during his lifetime. Uh, yeah. Did they mention how we? Uh cut his ear yeah at the very beginning um how um they got that over they got that over with yeah how um vincent van gogh i mean he did he did struggle with mental illness throughout his life and um and depression and there was one point where in his life where yes he did cut off his ear and he gave it to a prostitute that he was in love with because that's what you do when you're you know when you're heartbroken and or at least back in those days. Um, now you just send a dick pic. But but what was cool? But what was cool about uh, the the film was that um, in in the flashbacks of Van Gogh's life, it was all it was all it all unfolded in like a black and white black and white visual style. So it was like it was like the paintings. It kind of looked. It kind of had that effect of like a like charcoal or like sketch drawings mm-hmm. kind of that had that texture. But it was still an oil painting as well. So it kind of looked almost photorealistic with the black and white color scheme. And I thought that was so dope. And and the film itself is it, just a lovely, loving tribute to Vincent van Gogh, the man, his life, and his paintings. And um, and also the score uh, by Clint Mansell, who did the music, was also fantastic as well. So uh, yeah, Loving Vincent, um, it, it is currently playing uh, in Rhode Island at the Cable Car Cinema in Providence. So it's going to be playing uh, playing there for the rest of the month. So if you so if you've heard about this film and if you want it, and if you're really curious about it, then I highly recommend checking this out because it's it's a one of a kind film. Just uh, every frame is literally a painting. It's a work of art come to life. It's just mwah, bellissima. I love it. Check it out um, if you're looking for something truly unique, truly artful, and just just beautiful. Just a beautiful work of art. Yeah. Uh, so yes, Loving Vincent is out, is out. And also speaking of other good works of art, I just finished a really fun video game. What Jesus a- Christ, that did not take you long. Uh, no, it didn't. Um, I bought this game, uh, actually two weeks ago and I had the time to play it, um, all of last week and I finally finished Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. Which is an awesome sequel to the 2014 uh, game Wolfenstein: The New Order, and this game is just full of good old, good old fashioned Nazi killing fun. And this game, it's a sequel to The New Order, and it takes place about five months after the events of the first game, in which you play as uh, uh, William Joseph Blaskowitz, aka Terra Billy, aka the Nazi's worst nightmare. 
and um, the game takes place in a in an alternate alternate uh, timeline where the not where Nazi Germany won World War II and has conquered you know the entire world, including the United States of America. And in this game, you play as a uh, Blaskowitz who who leads a group of freedom fighters to t- to f- take to take back America from the Nazi regime. You know, it's all about making America Nazi free again. Like, oh, this game is just so intense. It's just so beautiful. It's just so fun. You know, when you take, there's a, there's a, there's a triple barrel shotgun, which is my favorite. It's called a Schlockhammer or something like that. And you just like pump shell after shell into armored Nazis. And then you can also like cut them up to bits with a hatchet. You can also use a, a, a laser, a laser rifle called the Kraftwerk which is you can charge it up and then you can disintegrate Nazis that, that step in your path. Um, what, else, what else can you do? You can also, um, you can also use a, a machine pistol, of course, which is pretty ordinary, and also a camp pistol, which is a, which is a grenade, launcher, grenade launcher type uh, pistol as well. It, it, this game is just so much fun. If you've played the first New Order game, then you'll definitely love the new Colossus. Uh, there's, there, this game is not subtle, but... I really like the fact that it's it's so gloriously over the top. It it knows what it is, but it's a game that is not afraid of sugarcoating or shying away from the truly dark aspects of its themes of its themes. Because not only does it deal with you know German and you know Nazi fascism and racism, mm-hmm. also it also deals with American racism as well. Really? Yeah, where the fact how the Ku Klux Klan in this game they were all too happy to join up with the Klan, with the with the Nazis because they're all about oh well you know they're all about keeping the white race pure it's a white man's country and all this and um, and there's also um, there's also some other revolutionaries that you that you that you find that will join your cause like there's this one character named uh, Grace Walker who kind of has a has a huge afro she's a a black woman who's kind of has a, like that strong Black Panther Angela Davis type vibe, and you know she's all about the revolution, you know, and she's all about trying to take America back from the Nazi scum. Um, there's also a, also a great group of characters as well. Uh, some some continuing their appearances from the first game, uh, and and yes, uh, the 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 not the the Nazi of Nazis himself, Adolf Hitler, makes an appearance in this game, which I won't spoil. But his appearance in the game is just fucking terrifying. It's it, it's 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 both funny, terrifying, anger-inducing, and sad all at once. It's something that you won't forget. I'll just leave it at that. Sounds like a Victor-ass movie. It's like a Victor-ass movie in video game form. Well, I mean, there's tons of action. Oh, being that's a first-person shooter, there's tons of action. Yeah. And um, there's tons of humor as well. Um, there, you know, there, there are some, there are some moments that are that can get pretty grim and a little depressing, but it doesn't, it doesn't wallow in it. It's all about like blunt force, like Nazi killing, you know, freedom fighting fun. Like this game, this, this, I, what I love about this game too is that it, it, it has in real life, it has pissed off real life Nazis and so called alt writers because that this game, this game of this game portrays Nazis in a negative light. Really. <laughs> Really? The Tiki Torches got pissed off? Oh, yes. Tiki Torches, they got pissed off. And I love it. I love it. So, yes, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, an awesome game. I mean, you don't necessarily have to play the first game, but I do recommend it. Um, but but the but the first five minutes of the game, of this game, summarizes the first, the game's, the first game's events, like, pretty succinctly. And, uh, yeah, this game has tremendous replay value. I will play it again. Uh, this is this is definitely a, a contender for game of the year for me. 
Really? Oh yes. That's pretty high. That's pretty high. Yeah, man. I mean, this this year has been this been this year has been pretty awesome for games, and you know, I, I had so much yeah, fun with this. So. I would say so too. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and it's funny how um, last you know the question of the week before was um, like name a game that you fin- yeah last week's question of the week was um, name a game that you never finished mm-hmm. that you liked but you never finished yeah and my one of mine was Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's so funny how like how I said that and then a couple of days later I get an alert saying hey Best Buy has it on sale for twenty bucks. Mm. Damn, that's a steal. Yeah. So please believe I did cop it. Nah, that's what's so up. that. So I'm actually gonna watch it. I may. To, I, I, I'm gonna play that. So I actually may want to check out Wolfenstein when I when I'm done with uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh yeah, it's it's a hell of a game. Yeah, I probably would want to play the first one mm-hmm. just to. Oh yeah. For you know, like complete sake. Oh yeah, for completion's sake. Yeah. Yeah, by all means, it's definitely worth it. All right. Yeah. So I'll be buying. I'll be buying that soon. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt <laughs> yes. But, uh, real quick, uh, Congo says Vic is low key crazy. No, I'm not. I mean, I I can assure you that the voice. What's with the pause, though? I mean, the voices in my head tell me that I'm totally sane. Well, there you have it. Yeah. And shout outs to Brian News. He's one of the. Um, he used to be he used to be part of a local tag team called Pride with Dan Freitas. Mm-hmm. And he used to like he used to help train me and Congo back in the day, back in our Slam Tech EPW days. So he's watching right now. So what's going on, Brian? But yes. um yeah, let me get on get into what I've been up to. Um I just yeah, let me get one order because I took a lot of notes. Yeah. Um the new this new show on AMC started. Um Sunday, Sunday night. It was called. Um, it's Robert Kirkman's Secret History of Comic Books. Mm-hmm. Comics. It's a docu series, and it and it um basically tells the stories of like the origin stories of our favorite superhero characters. Yep. Or our favorite comic characters, but not like the hey Wolverine got his adamantium because he was born and and he went through the Weapon X project. No, actually, the creative process mm-hmm. of how like our fa- how our favorite um superheroes came about. Nice. So um the first uh, the first episode I caught which which came on uh Sunday after The Walking Dead mm-hmm. actually wasn't a bad episode it was okay okay just it's just straight the show is just streaming along mm. that's all I can tell you all right yeah well we'll, we'll there, we'll there was a surpri- there was a like surprising death there's a there was a surprising death though oh I, I I've heard about the the death was it the the tiger yeah yeah. And then Ezekiel kind of went crazy. He actually, no, he went to who he really was. Oh, okay. He was just like, nah, yeah, he, um, what was his psychic's name? It was like Larry or something. Like Larry or Leonard or something. But he was like, it's an honor to serve you, your majesty. Don't call me that. Oh. Like he got to that breaking point. Okay. So he dropped off. He's the... like, I'm just a guy. Oh, he so he dropped, dropped the... the accent and everything. He's like, I'm just a guy. I'm like, mm-hmm. This could go somewhere. All right. I'm sure it will string along, but it this could go somewhere. Okay. But yeah, back to the secret history of comics. The first um the first episode was called The Mighty Misfits of Marvel. And it showed the um and it just basically told the story of Marvel Comics and how they came to be from just a little small time publisher to that was actually called um originally called Timeless Comics mm-hmm. to the 
multi-billion dollar Disney owned juggernaut that it is now. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then of course, you know, they had the man Stanley talking about it saying that he was actually just originally a, an errand boy. Mm-hmm. So they said, so, um, I forgot the, I forgot the guy who was the original publisher. I forgot his name. I was, it was on. So I was trying to take as much notes as fast as possible. And, um, he just said, Hey kid, why don't you just be editor until I hire an adult? Hmm. And he never hired an adult. Wow. <laughs> so, and he actually was like, oh, and um, Stan Lee almost quit Marvel. Really? Yeah, he almost quit Marvel because, like, you know, they was, you know, they were producing, you know, producing some, you know, titles like Captain America was one. So, um, he actually created the Fantastic Four just to compete with Justice League. Hmm. Justice League was taken off at that time, so he's so he was like he was contemplating quitting. So he was just having dinner with his wife Joan, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, "You know what? Do one more thing, but make sure you just go all in." Hmm. Okay. So he created the Fantastic Four, and you know, and at that time, you know, the Justice League was simply it was like something for kids. You know, so the Fantastic Four was written to, it was written just to be like a much more realistic character. I mean, just a much more realistic comic than all the other ones. So like, you can actually see, actually see like a lot of emotion that was drawn back in the, back in the day, which was illustrated by um, Jack Kirby. And then um, the name Marvel actually came about when um, he went, um, Stanley, he just, he just didn't like, it was going to be called Timely Comics. It went from time. Timeless, the timely comics. Mm-hmm. And he just said, you know what? I like saying Marvel better. Hmm. It actually came from the phrase, welcome to the Marvel age of comics. And then, boom, here we have Marvel Comics. Okay. So, of course, you know, DC didn't like Jack. And um, Jack Kirby was actually, like, drawing for DC at one point. And he said, you know, J- DC did not like Jack Kirby's way of drawing. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Yeah, they found it just to be too realistic. Oh, huh. Okay. Yeah, so... Stan Lee came along, of course, you know, the rest is history. Another th- another thing that was one thing I didn't know is like a lot of like churches and stuff were really against comic books back in the day. Like churches would like organize um like big comic book bonfires. <laughs> yeah. Against it because they felt like, you know, a lot of juvenile mischief was going on, a lot of kids were getting in trouble and stuff. It was and they weren't really focused on school, and they solely blamed it on comic books. Yeah. But then again, like every generation has its has its scapegoats. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like rap music was for one. It was like in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was so a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. So social media now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, um, it was so. There was just so much. Yeah, Marvel originally had a be- Marvel actually had a, a distribution deal, which was under. DC's publishing company. Really? Yeah. It was yeah. a bad deal, but it was like, it's like one of those things where it's like you sign your first deal. Yep. You've heard them music stories. Like they mm-hmm. sign their first deal and it's like completely like shit. Yeah. Marvel went through the same thing as well, but they went under DC's parent co- um, publishing company. Mm-hmm. And so they would slow down Marvel's pump publishing because they saw Mar- Marvel as a threat to DC. DC uh. was their bank. Mm. Marvel was on the come up. They see they were threatened, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, they just slowed down their deals. So of course, eventually they got it away and they broke away. And then because Stan Lee, he um, 
he had a little column at the end of each comic called Stan Soapbox, which was like a way for fans to get to know him. Mm-hmm. So he, so he would like like people. He would have his um like fans would talk to him on a first name basis. Oh wow! You know, and he would respond to them just like you know just that way. It's like a, just a real, a very like a very it's a very intimate way to like get to know your fans and stuff, and just let them know like hey. We're listening, mm-hmm. you know. Um, of course, it moved on and talked about the origins of the X Men and how it was inspired by the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. How you know, you know the prejudices that were going on against you know blacks and other minorities and stuff. Well, Stanley flipped that into like the fantasy world. Mutants were mm-hmm. the, you know, the minorities at that time, and they yeah. were going through the. Um, the segregation, all the prejudice that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was also a uh, mo- what was called a Marvel method that was introduced where like Stan would actually just give Jack... Remember, Stan Lee's a writer. Jack Kirby was the artist. Well, Stan Lee was just so busy at the time you know, speaking at co- you know, speaking at colleges and having many speaking engagements where he would just give somebody... He would give Jack Kirby the plot mm-hmm. and he would actually put more... Put it into the artist's hands. Okay. So he said, "Hey, this is supposed to happen. This, 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 and that." So then the artist would actually, you know, write it out. But then there were many times where, like, the whole plot would just turn, would just switch on him, mm-hmm. switch on Stan, and he just seemed to be. He was like, "Hey, I didn't write that. I didn't remember like saying this." But most of the time, it worked. Mm-hmm. So you know that kept going, and then um, then there was actually a bit. There was a big feud between Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Yeah. Basically, like, Stan was getting more credit than Jack, and there was a huge difference in pay mm-hmm. and all that. And that rivalry, like, lasted, like, for years. Yeah. So probably about a good, like, 20, 20-something, 20, 20, 25 years. Mm. Yeah. So, so, and, um, yeah, it was actually, like, a, um, yeah, like, that feud was very similar to um, Walt Disney and um, Up Ur- Up, uh, and, um, Up Erwicks, and mm-hmm. also similar to um, that documentary that you talked about on the last Victor's Corner, Batman and Bill yeah. Bill Finger, right? Yep. Yeah, it was, it was literally just the same thing. Another mm-hmm. little fact, Stan Lee likes his, wim- likes his women like his oatmeal. Thick. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, I'm not so sure. I don't. I don't know if that's any. If that's true. I mean, well, he did do Stripperella, so that might explain. I that. remember that. Yeah, on in Spike. The 90s, t- yeah, I, you know, it was in 2003, 2003. Spike TV. I never even saw it, but I remember seeing the commercial like during Raw or something. And I'm just like, yeah, I saw an episode. It is as bad as you think it is. <laughs> really? Yeah. It was. It was just totally. Like I, I, I kind of knew what he was going for. It was supposed to be like cheesy, intentionally cheesy and over the top, very kitschy, but it was still terrible. Like I saw it, and it kind of like when I saw that commercial, it reminded me of that t- old TV show Duckman. Yeah, it's not like Duckman. Wasn't like Duckman. Mm-mm. Duckman was weird. Like I was way too young to be watching Duckman. Yeah, that was definitely more for like adult sensibilities. It was. It was. And then the last thing too. Um... Jack Kirby was actually known as the King of Comics, which is a nickname that Stan Lee gave him because they actually reconciled at like a party and stuff. And um, but they said, you know, how about we just like work on one more project, mm-hmm. you know, for old time's sake? And they never did. 
Oh yeah. Until Jack Kirby's death in 1994, and um, but yeah, because of everything that Jack Kirby went through, he that actually um influenced future artists. You know, such artists like Rob Kirkman, Todd McFarlane, uh, Rob Layfield to actually be cautious when they have own by um taking ownership of their creations. Mm -hmm. So now you know, yes, Marvel pretty much owns the rights to Deadpool, but yet Rob Layfield, he makes sure he gets a percentage. Mm. And which is another reason why, you know, Tom McFarlane formed Image Comics yep. for Spawn and how Image has that deal with, hey, you created it, it's yours. Mm -hmm. You know, so that was actually, re that was re that's a very good docuseries I actually do um, plan on like following up on. Yeah. Uh, and then also um, episode two came out last night. Mm-hmm. And um, it actually was the it, the it was the um, origin story of Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to. I was hoping that you got a chance to watch that. I did. To, um, because I could. I tried to take as many notes as possible, but mm -hmm. it was too. It was too going too fast. I watched it live where you had the. Um, on demand. Yeah. Yeah. You had that luxury. Yeah. So yeah. as a matter of fact, since you're a bit, you're. A, you're you're a Wonder Woman fan. Um, when, is she your favorite superhero? Uh, one of my favorite superheroes. Yeah. Uh, my favorite super superhero overall is Batman. That's fair. I'm yeah. cool with that. Yeah. So yeah, but what did you think about that? I thought it was a pretty informative uh, uh, documentary. Um, like they had uh, reenactments. They hired actors yeah. to play out uh, William Moulton Marston and his wife Elizabeth Marston and their. And his mistress, Olive Byrne, right. who was a student of his. And uh, I I thought their their relationship as as the facts about their relationship was pretty interesting. It was like very eye very eye opening and it kind of explains a lot of elements of Wonder Woman's character. Yeah, because Wonder Woman was basically like inspired by S and M. Yeah, yeah, BDSM, you know, uh, dominance, submission, uh, especially like uh, like uh, Mar Marston's whole ideas on submission, like quote unquote loving submission. Yeah, and that's represented through the lasso of truth. Correct. And and one of the, one of the things that I that stood out to me was like in, during the early days of Wonder Woman, the comic, there were many ep there were many issues where she was tied up. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> like she time. was tied up, probably about like shut up, Tyrone. Tyrone beat me in fantasy football, so you had to check out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, she was like tied up, but then like there was like one, there was like one panel where she was like basically hog tied, mm -hmm. and she's looking at, she's you know, she's breaking the fourth fourth wall and and winking. Yeah, as like she's <laughs> aroused by that situation. Yeah, that yeah, that was pretty bold, uh, especially back in the early forties. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, because that was like completely like unheard of at that time. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure it went on. I mean, obviously, that's why we have Wonder Woman today. Yeah, but like, you know, they didn't really like speak on it. You didn't really like hear anything about that back then. Yeah, it was like like really like unconventional uh, relationships were kept under wraps. Like it was like it was like you know, as long as you weren't public about about those things, then you know you could go about your life. But I thought it was interesting that uh, uh, William Moulton Marston and you know his and and his two women Liz and, o and Olive they were all they were very understanding and very open you know yeah. towards each other. They I mean he had kids with both of them, and you know the way they had to cover that the way they covered that up too. Yeah, 
the fact that like um Olive had Olive had to tell her kids that you know they had a dad who died. died. Yeah, and yeah. then he he adopted him. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and then he didn't really they didn't they didn't find out until um Bill Marsden was on his deathbed. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like shortly before, shortly after he passed, that they that his kids found out that oh, he was our dad, yeah. our real dad, yeah, and and also too like seeing the evolution of Wonder Woman, like when, especially she came out at a really crucial time in the forties yeah. where women did their did their part in serving in World War Two, and then after after the U.S. won, like women were expected to go back to the kitchen, you know. So the days of Rosie the Riveter were over. It's like just go. Yeah, go she became a domesticated housewife, and then she like owned a, she owned like a boutique, and she was a super spy. Yeah, like completely cha- like got rid of the whole um, the whole outfit and everything. Yep. Just like that was something I completely did not know. Yeah, I didn't know that either. In fact, like in the in the sixties, like that's when they switched her up from the Wonder Woman that we know now, yeah. even, and back then to this this ordinary woman who was not Wonder Woman, just Wonder Woman by name. Exactly. Yeah, and it wasn't until the Linda Carter show came out in seventy five. Yeah, the seventies, because yeah, yeah, there was um, an activist group um, called Miss Miss Magazine, mm-hmm. where they picked it. They kind of picked it up, and they just started like using her images, started using the old Bill, what Bill Marsden like envision you know the mm-hmm. whole feminist thing and then when the linda carter show happened like i didn't realize there was a controversy then saying yeah. that like the television networks were saying that oh this is too feminist but mm-hmm. then like the um the feminists of the time was like oh she's not feminist enough yeah it was like you like, could what? yeah it's like you couldn't please both both extremes no you couldn't like she didn't have hair under her armpits and stuff like they mm-hmm. wanted to drive some type of sex appeal yeah, and and that was the whole idea of the character. Like, you know, she can have that beauty, that sex appeal, but... But be, she can still be powerful. Yeah, powerful and intelligent. Be exactly. Be a, a fully rounded person, you know? And, you know, I and I think that flies in the face of people who say that, oh, well, you you, you you can only have one or the other. Like, if she's... If a female character in particular is sexy, then she can't be, you know, intelligent or she can't be strong, then she just has to be a sex object. And it's like, well, life doesn't really work that way, you know? There are... We're all nuanced, you yeah. know. That was back. That was the mentality back then. Yeah, yeah, it was. But uh, but yeah, just Wonder Woman certainly came a long way, and that was a fascinating uh episode. Uh, so so yeah, man, that 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 was really cool, and you know, hey, you know, un- unconventional relationships, man. You you never know what what could come, <laughs> sure come out of don't. them. Yeah, ain't no woman gonna go for that. This day, not this day. I mean, there probably are some, but oh, it's yeah. rare. Yeah, it's it's rare. it's rare, but people, eh, some people still do it. Like for me, it's it's hard enough dealing with one partner. You're gonna do it two uh, at the same time. <laughs> Steve Steve Harvey, Harvey actually had a joke by that because he's saying like in some African cultures that you're allowed to have one more than one wife. Oh yeah. So he was just yeah. like, "Why would you want eight more of them?" You like you having a hard time trying to deal with this crazy effort? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh Steve Harvey. Oh, God, I love that guy. Um, yeah. I also did start um an anime on Netflix called Fate of Apocrypha, but I only watched one episode, so I'll probably, I'm actually gonna review that at another time, mm-hmm. just so I can get more, just so I can have more to review. Yeah, probably just just go out, go flat out, finish it, and just review the whole thing okay 
Nice. And uh, it's, a, it's a new series? Uh yeah, it actually came out in July. It was based it's based on a um like a night a light novel series and series in called uh Fate Stay Night. Mm-hmm. It was a franchise by Yuichiro. You oh god, this is gonna be bad. This is gonna be awful. Mm-hmm. Yuichiro Hagen Miss Day, something like that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I had a hard time even like <laughs> like trying to pronounce what I was, I was writing in my notes. Mm-hmm. And then it was a manga a- adaptation by Akira Ishida. And that was um in a uh, comp ace it was featured in a comp ace magazine mm-hmm. and then A1 Pictures picked up the tele- the anime okay. and it actually premiered in July but mm-hmm. now it, it premiered in July overseas but then Netflix picked it up and it premiered on uh, the 7th mm-hmm. of November of this year okay so um, like I said yeah once I get more once I get more into that then I'll give a much more detailed review mm. nice but it looks good so far all right cool Cool. I, I did see it in my queue. It just popped up there. So. That's how I got. That's how it got my attention. I said, you know what? I've been wanting to step up my anime game for a while, for a while. So I was like, you know what? Let me let me just shoot my shot with this one. Okay, indeed. Yeah. So anything else, man? Other than that, other than Rhode Island Comic Con, which we're gonna get into later on, that's it. All right. Yeah, we got a bunch of uh, uh, some news, some news and items of interest uh, this week. Uh, first off, uh, Star Wars. Uh, what else is new? Uh, Ryan Johnson uh, is going is going to be developing a new Star Wars trilogy of films. Uh, Lucasfilm announced last week that Johnson will be writing and directing the first installment of a new trilogy of Star Wars films, which will feature entirely new characters and will be separate from the Skywalker saga. Uh, Johnson's latest film, Star Wars The Last Jedi, arrives in theaters Friday, December 15th, which is 30 days away. The countdown is on. Yeah, the countdown is on. We're a month away, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually, now I'm actually intrigued, genuinely. I would, um, think you'd, I would think you would, because like I know you said that you don't want to see the Skywalker, the Skywalker um, saga like just go on and on and on you would like to see the end of that but then you did also say that you wanted to see you still want to see other stories within the universe Mm -hmm. but not related to the skywalker saga yeah well at least partially maybe like some brief mentions here or there i believe yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe like, uh, like, like, like something in, in the background, like how, like how the Netflix Marvel series mentioned the incident, yeah. which is the Avengers. Yeah, it's like it's all still in the same universe, but just like in its own, it's its own thing. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm actually uh, quite very curious and excited about this um, because even though I've had a bit of a Star Wars fatigue, um, just the fact that Ryan Johnson, who's a creative filmmaker in his own right, you know, is getting his own trilogy or. St- getting to kick off a new trilogy of films with new characters, that must mean that The Last Jedi is going to be some, going to be like the hottest of fire. That's for sure. So I'm actually excited, man. I'm, 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 I'm getting a little bit more of my Star Wars enthusiasm back. Um, if this means that uh, Lucasfilm and Disney can take, you know, more chances with the Star Wars franchise in, a, in bold directions that we haven't seen before, then I'm all for it. Ready to get pissed off? Yeah, what's up? John Aponic says, Pass. Just like Amazon's Lord of the Rings, it's not necessary. Yeah, well, I agree with you with the Lord of the Rings on Amazon, John. Um, but as far as uh, this new trilogy of films, hey, I-, I will say this: if it's if it features new characters 
that's not a prequel that doesn't take place in like the the old the original trilogy era or like even in, or god 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 forbid the the prequel trilogy era then we'll be okay if it takes place like post post uh, sequel trilogy uh, era if it takes place post episode 9 then i'll be even more intrigued or maybe like it's possibly going on at the same time as the current trilogy it's just like it's just another story. Well, it probably wouldn't even make sense if it's coming out later on. So yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah. I mean, Ryan Johnson. I mean, if you if you're not familiar, definitely check out uh, two of his films. Uh, he made Looper with uh, Bruce Willis and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which is really good. It's a really good, like time travel sci-fi story. I um, it sounds familiar to me, but I'm think, but what I'm picturing in my mind was the was um the movie Jumper. No, God, no, no. <laughs> that's that's way different. You're talking about Jumper with that with that bad actor Hayden Christensen. No, this this is this is Looper. That we're talking was Hayden about. Christensen, wasn't? Yeah. Sam, no, Sam, was Samuel Jackson in that movie? Yeah, he was. He was. Okay, that one's for the check. Yeah, that it really was. Yeah. But like, no, I remember the title Looper, but it's mm-hmm. just what pictured in my mind was Jumper. So I'm like, yeah, right. yeah, no, not Jumper. Definitely check out Looper. Looper, and also check out Brick. Brick is also really good with Ryan Johnson. That was his, uh, I think it was his debut feature. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that. Uh, we also have some other news uh, with Kevin Spacey. Uh, Kevin Spacey is being replaced by Christopher Plummer in his next movie, All the Money in the World, directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, in an unprecedented move, uh, director Ridley Scott will be reshooting all of Kevin Spacey's scenes in his upcoming film with Christopher Plummer, which is a bold move considering that, that the film and the marketing materials have not only been completed, but the film is still scheduled to arrive next month in theaters on December 22nd. Yeah, so they're gonna reshoot all of Kevin Spacey's scenes with Christopher Plummer. Now I want to see it just to see how they do it. Me too. Just to Me see too. how it's gonna come out. Like it's just like, damn, we, is it gonna be one of those things like, wow, they actually pull it off, or just a, damn, we really should have just kept it. And just say, hey, let's just give him this one last one. Yeah, so we can like he's pretty much done at this point. Yeah, Spacey's career is pretty much pretty much on his deathbed. I, I mean, he maybe made for his now. money. He can probably just go off hiding somewhere and he'll be good. But like, I think I think Kevin Spacey he'll be back after a couple of years. I he, think. Yeah, he has to. He has to go into hiding. Yeah, and like do some serious. He rehab. has to do a, like literally. If he's gonna, if Kevin Spacey's gonna come back, he's gonna have to drop some heat. Yeah. Yeah, and he's gonna have to drop some heat, and he's also gonna have to like. He's gonna have to R. Kelly chocolate factory that thing. Oh God, R. Kelly! You, you know what? No, no, no. But here's the thing. No, here's why I use that as an example mm-hmm. before you go on your rant. Okay, at the time, R. Kelly was, you know, on was um, you know, the whole thing, the sex tape thing was going out, yeah. so he was already like be getting guilty in the court of public opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had your. You had your supporters, and then you had your people who was against him and all that. And then yeah. he dropped the chocolate factory, and he he put it down. I would consider that one of, I'm not gonna say it, it is his best album because mm-hmm. his best album is Twelve Play, but one of his best albums was the Chocolate Factory. Even Dave Chappelle had to make a joke about it. Oh yeah, he's yeah. like, listen, it's that yeah, R. Kelly was in trouble, and that that chocolate factory, he put it down. 
He did. Usher did the same thing. He, you know, with confessions, he's about to do it. He's about to drop it. He's about to drop something crazy with that whole herpes thing that he had going on. Yeah. It kind of died out. But yeah, at the time, at the time where it was heating up, mm-hmm. he's walking in the studio with Jermaine Dupree. Okay. Like all, pretty much like all of J- uh, Usher's best songs were produced by Jermaine Dupree. Hmm. So, I mean, I mean, I don't think that it should take like one one solid work of art just for people to like forgive and forget. But look how it happened through it. It's happened through history. I know it. It, ha- it has. It has. But Michael, ja- Michael Jackson. Look, listen. Look, okay, with Michael it's Jackson, like he had his trick. He had his um his thing going on. He dropped. Dangerous, which has happened to be, which we both agreed, our favorite Michael Jackson albums. Yeah. And like, we forgave, we as a society, forgave, majority of us forgave him. With like, with They Mike, let that kid, they let that slide. Listen, no, uh, no, listen, with Michael Jackson, I believe there was all allegations. Oh, yeah, it was definitely. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that any of, any of that was true with him. I mean, because Michael Jackson's life is, you know, contains multiple, multiple it's elements of just life. Just say the, the man's life was crazy. It was insane. It was insane. I mean, he he had an insane childhood, but um, not even his childhood. Just his just his, his life. It's yeah. basically Al Sharpton said it best. He said when he he said the parents Jackson, wasn't nothing crazy about your daddy. What your daddy went through was crazy. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So I think with Mike Jackson, I think. I, I I think the allegations were untrue, but with Kevin Spacey, it's yeah, you know exactly. the proof is in the pudding. Now. Yeah, the proof is in the pudding, and and I was gonna say with R. Kelly, um, you know what? I'm, I'm I'll be honest. The Chocolate Factory was wasn't very good in my really? opinion. You didn't like the Chocolate Factory? I wasn't I wasn't a fan. I mean, Ignition Ignition wasn't all that. Also, I think Step in the Name of Love is one of the most overrated songs of the last century of the last decade. Listen, as a DJ. It, I'm gonna it, put on my dancing shoe. Shut the fuck up. That no, that's that song still that song's actually timeless. It's timeless. It is not timeless. I, I still play it. I play it to this day. Remember that song came out what? 2003? Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. 2003? It's 2017. That song is what? Nine, what? 14 years old? Yeah, about 14 years old, yeah. 14 years old. And it's still it, people still get on the dance floor to this day, and they do the damn steps. What, what, what steps? Is this a two step? No, there's more to it. What two and steps to the side? No, yeah, step, step, side to side, round, and they do it. They do it. Man, man, listen. You know what? I I, I think I, I I'm not I'm not a big fan of that song. You know what? I'm gonna say that. Oh, trust me. I hate the Cupid Shuffle. I hate the Cha Cha Slide. I hate the Electro Slide. I hate the <laughs> I hate all those line dancing songs. Oh. I hate them, but they're timeless, and I have to play them. You know what? I like the Cha Cha Slide. I, I should mean, smack you. Listen, I mean, I'm not a big fan of it, but I mean, I don't mind it. I'm like, you know what? It's a it's a pleasant it's a pleasant line dancing song. It it, it gets I people hate, moving. I hate that song. Slide to the left, slide to the right, <laughs> crisscross, crisscross. Yeah, so heated. Although there was there was another line dancing song too. Um, I forget how it goes. Like to the left, to the left, to the right. Uh, the Tootsie Roll? No, no, no. The Tootsie Roll is banging. That's oh, yeah. that, that shit is banging. Yes. Tootsie Roll is. 
Tootsie Roll is where it's at. Oh, I love the I need to somebody need to put out a documentary about the Freak Nicks. Oh yeah. Oh, who did that song? Sixty Nine Boys, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's all in the name, people. Yeah. Oh man. Um. That that, that that takes me back. I mean, this is like an aside, real quick. But it takes me back. Like like Tootsie Roll was banging back in the day. Daisy Dukes. That song was it was popping. Yeah, all that Miami bass music, like that was in, that was like where it was at, at the time. If you went to a HBCU at the time, mm-hmm. and I and and yes, I know I might get some heat for this, but there was a really ratchet as fuck line dancing. Well, not line dancing song, but it was a one of those Miami bass songs. I think it was a parody track. It was by D- DJ Assault, and it was called Ass and Titties. <laughs> I won't lie. I actually thought that song was pretty catchy. The, I thought it I was. Never, I don't think I would ever play it. I'll probably get it just to probably talk Wait. about the down, down, do your dance song. Yeah, that's the that's the Cupid Shuffle. I hate mm-hmm. that song. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, Acetates, that song. I'll probably play it like if I'm around my boys and it's just a, it just to be it just as a joke. Mm-hmm. But like, if I was actually being paid to like DJ somewhere, I would never play that song. Oh no, yeah, you get a lot of dirty looks nowadays in 2017. But man, I mean, hey, hey, listen, listen. Like you said, you know, you gotta have a balance of righteousness and ratchetness, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's the. I, I enjoyed that song. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but 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 yeah, um, <laughs> but yes, uh, but yeah. Hopefully, getting back to the main headline. Uh, hopefully, uh. Hopefully, uh, Ridley Scott and Christopher Plummer can turn out can turn this movie out in time for for its release next month. I'm very curious to see it. Um, you can still see the trailer for All the Money in the World with Kevin Spacey as well. So, so you get to see what. Yeah, even if they try to take it down, somebody got it. There's uh, no point. There's no even oh, yeah. point even trying to take it down because somebody's some genius is gonna just put it right back up. Oh yeah. So you get to see like what could have been. Yeah. yeah. A hint of what could have been. Oh yeah. So yeah, um, also in other news, speaking of movies, a Metal Gear Solid film is actually in the works. Uh, Derek Connolly, the screenwriter of Jurassic World and the upcoming Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, will be writing the script uh, for the live-action Metal Gear Solid film adaptation, which will be directed by Kong Skull Island director Jordan Vogt-Roberts. Now, you think it will fall the, the curse of video game movies? Oh man, you know, I think, I mean, I I want to I want to hold out hope that this might turn this might be the rare instance where this where a video game based movie turns out to be good, and Metal Gear Solid. I mean, it it does help that Metal Gear Solid itself is a pretty cinematic experience. Um, I'm just wondering though, like, there's a lot though about Metal Gear Solid that works in the video game. That pretty much would not translate well on I'm film. film. Yeah, yeah, because you got a whole bunch of like weird tonal shifts, like from straight silliness to like dead, deadly, dead, deadly serious, like, uh, like heavy, heavy themes. And to watch it, to watch it unfold on a movie, especially if you're not familiar with Metal Gear Solid at all, you'd be looking at it like, what kind, what kind of stupid shit is this? So, I don't know. It's it's going to be a huge challenge to make this film work. Uh, on a, on a, as a live action adaptation, um, I think it will fall down to also who they cast. Um, back then, like I think Christian Bale would have been a great solid snake or Kiefer Sutherland, but that would have been too much of like Jack Bauer. 
Yeah. Yeah, like 24. Even though he does voice Solid Snake in, in um, Ground Zeroes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll um, I mean, I'll 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 be cautiously skeptical about this one. But have be you skeptical? But listen, yes, indeed. The fifth agreement. Uh, yeah, that that hippy dippy uh stuff. Um, <laughs> now have have you played any of the Metal Gear Solid games? Nah, I actually haven't. Oh, okay. Um, I'll say that I just never had the opportunity to. Mm. Uh, I'll say that well, the first game, Metal Gear Solid, is a is a cl- absolute classic for the first PlayStation. Right? Yep. Um, I'll say that in terms of story, the best one, at least my favorite, is Metal Gear Solid Three: Snake Eater. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually like chronologically like the very first game in the in the story because it takes oh, okay. place in '64. Oh, so it's a prequel. Yep. Oh, okay. But it's but it's 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 excellent. Um, and I and and also in terms of gameplay, because you're not a fan of prequels at all. No, but um, but this one was definitely like the the exception because it, like it established like the entire Metal Gear lore. Mm-hmm. Like because it chronologically and it's 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 excellent. It's still timeless. Wow. And I'll say that like in terms of story, Metal Gear Solid Three is the best. But in terms of gameplay, gameplay wise, the best game in the series in terms of gameplay would be Metal Gear Solid Five, which would be Ground Zeroes and The Phantom Pain. Was that the one that was available for free recently? Yeah, oh, on on the PlayStation Plus. Okay, yeah, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. So so yeah, definitely check them out if you're curious. Beast. Be skeptical, but listen. Yes. Yep. Skeptical, but listen. Yes. Um, uh, speaking of things not to be skeptical about, because <laughs> it it's sure has. because it's all it's all said and done. Uh, Universal's Dark Universe is officially dead. Uh, future films in this fledgling franchise, which began with uh, The Mummy, which came out this past summer, uh, the future films in this franchise are now canceled. Uh, from Bill Condon's Bride of Frankenstein to, to Johnny Depp's The Invisible Man and a planned reboot of The Creature from the Black Lagoon, they're all canceled. Uh, the two architects of this would-be cinematic universe, uh, Alex Kurtzman and Chris Morgan, have moved have moved on to other projects, with Kurtzman working on Star Trek Discovery and Chris Morgan writing the Fast and Furious spinoff with The Rock and Jason Statham. Uh, the Dark Universe did kick off with The Mummy uh, this past June uh, to very to terrible reviews. It stars Tom Cruise. Well, um, it was worth a shot, I guess. And you have to say I guess at that point. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I like the idea. I like the idea on paper of like bringing back all the old school he- monsters. Yeah, but it was clear that like it was obvious. Nobody that- had no interest in him. No, because it's like it's like it's like all right, you're trying way too hard to be Marvel Studios. Yeah, you so know, just yeah. As I can say, shrug. Yeah, you gotta gotta take the L on this one. You know, like the Cowboys. Uh, let's move on to uh, the next Jesus headline Christ, here. <laughs> did, did they did they play this weekend? We did. We got our asses beat. Oh, well, we, had to take, we took an L. So, oh, who who'd, y'all, who, who'd your team play? Falcons. Oh, what was the score? Twenty three to seven. Ooh, yeah, it was a bad. It was bad. Mm. It was um, bad. Did the Patriots play this weekend? Yeah, and they won. Shit. Anyway. Um, uh, speaking of other com- other other universes, uh, Sony has announced a Morbius film, which will which will be set in the Spider-Man universe. And this was reported on ComicBookResources.com. Uh, Sony is looking to expand its shared Spidey film universe, centered on with a film centered on Morbius, the living vampire. Uh, Buck Sharpless and Mac- Matt Sazama, who wrote the Power Rangers movie uh, that came out earlier this year, will ha- have developed the script. 
Uh, Morbius, for those who don't know, it first deb- it was a character who first debuted in October 71 in Amazing Spider-Man issue 101. And Dr. Michael Morbius is a Nobel Prize winning scientist who attempted to create a cure for, for his own rare blood disease using vampires. Instead of finding a cure, Morbius turned himself into a vampire-like figure who needed to consume blood to continue living. Uh, Morbius started started as an antagonist to Spider-Man, but would eventually go on to have a heroic career of his own for a time. And the antihero and the antihero even headlined his own ongoing series in 2013 from Marvel Comics. Well, um, vampires, Marvel, Spidey. What do you what you think? Could work. It could. I mean, it, it worked for Blade. Yeah. Even though Blade is R-rated, but um, uh, see, see, I don't know if this is gonna be like. Does the MCU own Blade? Does my yeah? Does Marvel have the rights? I I believe so. I, I'm gonna have to like look it up to confirm. Okay. Um, if if Marvel Studios does have the rights to Blade, I would hope that they can either because you can't make a PG-13 Blade and no. have it be have it be good. Um, either either have ha, give him. It his would own, have to be a Netflix series, like his own Netflix series, or maybe like they can create their own division of like R-rated films. But even then, that might be a little. That's too yeah. That's too risky for Disney. Just get just yeah, and give it a Netflix series. Yeah, not too many seasons though. Probably about a good three or four. Mm, indeed, and don't cast sticky fingers. <laughs> good lord. The only thing I could say is that he had the look. He did, and that's it. That. Yeah, he did have the look, but it was like, man, that was miscast. I'm sorry. Uh, Who but would you cast now as Blade? Yeah. Oh man. That's a damn good question. I was gonna say maybe Michael B. Jordan, but he's already played, yeah, he's a, uh, he's our Killmonger. Yeah, man. Um, I would say Trevante Rhodes from Moonlight. I think he'd be a good Blade. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he has the look. He 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 kind of looks like a young a younger Fifty Cent. But um, but yeah, I think I think he does have the range. He does have the chops. The, definitely the look to play Blade. I would like to see him in the role. Like and plus he's like relatively unknown still, so he can definitely give it give the the Blade character a new, a new approach. Sure, yeah, he he could pull it off. He probably could, yeah. Yeah, kind of like a he he looks kind of like a mix between what like a hint of Wesley Snipes, but leaning a little more towards more the Sticky Fingers one. Like I think he could he could probably do it. Yeah, I'd say so. Travante Rhodes for Blade. Let's let's make a uh. A, a petition for that or not no nah. but uh but yeah um uh, morbius as a as a as his own character i mean i think that maybe this will kind of be similar to sony's own venom film where i think if i'm not mistaken i think venom itself is going to be r-rated and that's going to be on sony's end so i yeah. think morbius might follow suit so i think that maybe um Maybe Sony can somehow negotiate with Marvel to get the rights of certain characters. Yeah, to give them that R-rated uh, approach, um, because can because I cannot imagine because if Disney does buy Fox, I cannot imagine a, a PG-13 Deadpool. That no. you might as well not make one. Not that. Yeah, and uh, last uh, last headline here, which is of interest. Uh, there's a new trailer out for the upcoming DC anim- animated film Gotham by Gaslight, which is based on the graphic novel of the same name. Did not see it. Um, it looks cool. Um, it's um basically a uh Batman. He's um it's like a it's like a eighteen eighteen hundreds Victorian era Gotham where he's like hunting down Jack the Ripper. Okay. 
Yeah, and it's it's pretty cool. It's kind of like it has like a Batman like steampunk type vibe. All right. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it, and 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 it and it's also rated R too, so so it has that edge to it. I'll say this with a DC anim- animated films, they're consistently good. They are. They are. Yeah. So. Yeah, I enjoy Killing Joke a lot. Yeah, Killing Joke. Well, the com- the the comic book was cool. The movie, eh, not so. No, much. No, the comic book was, was better. But yeah. like, remember, if they're gonna put a. They had to put a move, um, a movie on just a comic. Mm-hmm. The movie would have been just twenty minutes long, so they had to add like something. Yeah, they. I, I can understand that, but Barbara Gordon having sex with Bruce Wayne—that's just no. That's just wrong. I was like, get it, Batman. Get uh, it. Are you that simple? <laughs> Do you not see what's wrong with that? <laughs> I don't let dumb shit bother me like that. You know. That. Uh, come on, man. I mean, it, it's 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 lore breaking. Okay, <laughs> lore breaking. But yes, uh, that's that's it for the news and headlines. And right now, we're going to get into uh, our report of last weekend's uh, Rhode Island Comic Con 2017. There you go. Right there. There's a bit of a delay. I'm sure y'all can see it. Yeah. So you know, all sorts of uh, cosplayers that we've seen, uh, some panels, you know, some vendors. Um, It's and all 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 the all the good stuff. All of our experiences from there. So. uh, I'll st- I'll start it off with you, Carl. Uh, what did you think about uh, Comic Con 2017? Um, it wasn't perfect, but I had I still had I still managed to have fun. Mm-hmm. I enjoy I enjoy myself. I loved the cosplays. Yeah, like I just love seeing um, people's uh, just to create just the creativity of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I try to get as many shots as possible, as you can see on our Codex Instagram, on our social medias. They were all over the place. Yeah, um, we met a lot of interesting people. We got a chance to network with a, other podcasts as well. One we're like definitely going to be having soon. And um, this one, this one, um, this one moment that sticks out to me was, um. We as we were as we were walking walking the convention floor, you know, I just said to my I said to you, I was like, you know, I'm kinda upset I did not see a Horizon Zero Dawn <laughs> Aloy cosplay. Mm-hmm. So of course you agreed, like, yeah, that would have been like nice. I would have loved to have seen somebody do that. Mm-hmm. So as we're walking, maybe about a good five, ten minutes later, mm-hmm. I'm like, Vic, Vic, <laughs> look. Yeah. Yeah, and then we <laughs> So and it turned out like this person had like had it down to a T. Yeah, the details, like, everything. You literally would have thought it was Aloy herself. Mm-hmm. So of course, you know, we do we you know we asked to take pictures with her, take pictures of the costume and whatnot. So, you know, she did that, and we're handing her a flyer for our Codex 100, December 2nd at 1, at 1 o'clock p.m. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I follow you guys. Oh, wait, wait. Huh? Mm-hmm. Hold on. What's your, you know, what's your Instagram? What's your Instagram, you know, so you can we can post it on our page? And she said, Mink. And I'm like, yes. And it was big shout-outs to Mink DeSeda. She's a professional cosplayer who was actually supposed to be on the show on a Halloween night, mm-hmm. but uh, scheduling conflicts and she wasn't being able to make it. So she's going to be on the show really, really, really soon. So if you want to see what she looks like, if you want to see the cosplay, go on to our social media sites and it's like she nails it. We took a few pictures with her. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, like I was really impressed by her Aloy cosplay. Like she had the, all the details down, like from the from the braided hair to the bow, which was yeah. like intricately detailed, like in the game. I was like, yo, how, I can't imagine how much work she put. Even the earpiece, yeah, she had Aloy uses, yeah, like everything. I, I was impressed. I was like, you know what, man, that was definitely one of the best cosplays I've seen. Oh yeah, and um, so there was there was also this one moment I posted it on my uh, personal um page uh 10 years ago <laughs> so 10 years ago i took a trip to new york at ringside fest to meet bret hart mm-hmm. and you know so i got you know i got a chance to take a picture with him whatever that was all i wanted and i got to you know and i bought his book that was that was like before his book came out so mm-hmm. we so whoever went to that um show had an advanced copy so, you know, I took the pic and whenever I take my pictures and stuff, I wish I wish I brought it with me, but you can go on my page at Mr. Bear uh, 1027. And um I wrote the date on the back of the pic- on the back of the picture. So, of course, years goes years go by. Mm-hmm. So, I get the announcement that Bret Hart's going to be at Comic-Con. So, I'm like, "Oh my god, I got to get that picture signed. Mm-hmm. I got to have him sign that picture. Jimmy Jimmy Hart signed the picture already." Mm-hmm. Like, "Let me I got to get Bret." So, as we get there, you know, I'm walking with you and I'm saying, yeah, this picture was taken 10 years ago. Yeah. Then a little later on. Jeez, that was going on. Yeah. Um, uh, there's apparently, I guess somebody's arguing outside my window across the street. So you can't hear it on the microphones. Oh, good. Well, yeah. anyway. So I'm walking with you. I was like, yeah, that was 10. I'm like, that was really 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I continue walking. That was around this time 10 years ago. Yeah, it was like just one day off. Yeah, so then once I looked, I was like, I got to double check this. And it was literally one day off. Mm. So I get in there and I'm like, oh my God, there he is. Like, I haven't been starstruck. Like, I'm, I rarely get starstruck. There's only like a few people I have gotten starstruck over. Mm-hmm. It was Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. And that was mainly because it came out of nowhere. Mm. Um, Michael Hayes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Batista, Randy Orton. No, not Batista or Randy Orton. Um, when I seen the Undertaker as a kid, yeah, I was completely starstruck. Mm-hmm. Shut up. <laughs> I wasn't. I was gonna say anything. You had something. Th- you was thinking something. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, I was. Exactly. <laughs> so then, like, and when I first when I first met Brett, mm-hmm. so then I see him again. I'm like, oh my god, there he is. I literally got starstruck again. So I was like, you know what? Let me just go on ahead. Let me just go on ahead and do it. Broke out the picture, then went crazy when I realized the date of the picture. Mm-hmm. And I brought the picture to him to sign it, pay for my autograph. And he looks and he's like, I remember this day. He's very well soft spoken. He's very soft spoken. So I really, and it was so loud in there, so mm-hmm. I really couldn't hear him. Yeah. But um, he would, then he started telling me, he's like, yeah, I remember this day. I remember that sweater. He was wearing a yellow sweater. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, remember this and such and such. My kids have this. My kids have this sweater on me now. So. Mm, wow. So, well, not on my kids have this sweater now, mm. and we just had a good laugh at it. And, you know, and I was telling, you know, thank you for that. And it was a, it was a good, it was a good experience. Another experience I had meeting Bret Hart. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he he's always he's always been one to say one to say that he takes pride in interacting with his fans, mm-hmm. and I genuinely feel that. Yeah. Absolutely, like Bret Hart, he's a he's a living legend, one of the all time oh, yeah, no. greats, 
Yeah, and um, and I, I, it was it was cool for me like seeing all the other uh, wrestlers that were there too. Like oh, Chris, yeah. Christian was there. Um, Christian Tristratus, uh, Lita, Rey Mysterio was there. And I didn't catch him. Really? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see his name anywhere. No, he was there, he was there though, and I saw somebody holding a uh, Rey Mysterio eight by ten autograph too. So yeah, he, he was shot. Yeah, I was kind of upset that I missed that. Hmm. Um, I saw Sting, but he wanted too much money for yeah for a photo op, and I just didn't have it. Mm. Yeah, so I'm at his table too. Yeah, at, at it from a distance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, even Howard Finkel was there. Yeah, he was. I actually met Howard Finkel too, like years ago. Oh, okay. Like Attitude Era. Wow. Okay. And I wanted to, of course, you know, that was during at a time where you know it was before camera phones. Mm-hmm. And I wanted his autograph, and I'm highly upset I lost it. Mm-hmm. But he had a business card. He had one of his... Bi- I had like a business card. I don't even remember what it was on me. That was all I had and he signed it. Oh, wow. Nice. So, and he was very... He was a very nice guy to himself too. Very short though. Oh, yeah. Plus like Howard Finkel is like probably... Would you say he's like the greatest in-ring announcer? Yeah. Of all time? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no one, no one pronounces the word new like Howard Finkel. New. Yeah. Like that's legendary. Yeah. That he makes every championship, new championship win, just like that much more meaningful. Exactly, exactly. And not to mention, like, it's because of him we have WrestleMania. Oh, really? Yeah, he's the, he has the credit of actually naming the event WrestleMania. Wow, I I did I generally did not know that. Oh, wow. He actually, I thought it was a Vince McMahon like. The event was a Vince McMahon idea, but the name came from Howard Finkel. Wow. Oh, otherwise, if it wasn't for Howard Finkel, we'd probably get like WrestleFest or something. They, they did have one of those. Yeah, that actually, yeah, it was a video game. So. Yeah, it was. I remember the arcade game, the yeah. button, the button mashers. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's what's up, man. Uh, yeah. Anything else that kind of sticks out in your mind about the con? Um, I actually okay. There was um another time where um. Our friend of the show, Afton, she was with us. Shout out to her too. She was did an amazing job helping us promote the show, and oh, she yeah. was just a she was just tons of fun. Her and her daughter, mm-hmm. Imagine, you know, shout outs to both of them, mm-hmm. and uh, and of course, um, Curtis and their son. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot her son's name, and I feel so bad. <laughs> oh, I forgot too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah she's gonna cuss us out. <laughs> she's gonna cuss us out when we listen to this. Yeah, but um, yeah, um, she um Brian O'Halloran. Mm-hmm. Was there? Oh, of clerks. Yeah, of clerk of clerks fame. Yep. So he, um, she, you know, went to you know got his autograph, but she had to go to the ATM. So I was like, all right, you know what? I'll hold your space. I'll hold your space in line and stuff. And I was actually talking with him and just ch- and just chatting it up like if he was like if he was sitting at this table right now. Mm. So he was just telling us like you know what you know well the movies that move, movies and projects that he's been working on and he's been in the process of moving where his next stops were going to be mm-hmm. why there's never going to be a clerks 3 and it's just a simple fact that um that Randall doesn't want to do it guys oh okay and you can't have clerks without Randall that's true can't have can't have the half the equation there exactly so like oh and then i had to of course i had to ask him like yo you really made out with rosario dawson he said listen i messed up on purposely just so i could keep doing it <laughs> oh my goodness um, i was like you know what that's what's up mm. did you ask him about the infamous donkey scene from clerks 2 i did not 
I was really thinking about it, but Afton's daughter was right there, uh, so I yeah. couldn't bring up Kinky Kelly. No, that's uh, that's true. You don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't. You know what's funny about that? That's the reason why Rosario Dawson signed on to do the movie. Just for the donkey she scene? She really read that there was a donkey scene. She was like, sign me up. Wow. Okay. There it is. That, that's a that's the best reason to take a role <laughs> if there's a donkey scene in your film. Yeah. Of course, my favorite part is Lord of the Rings versus the Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. That was that was funny, though. Three movies of people walking to a volcano. Yo, the way he described <laughs> it, too. He's like, the first movie's just... Here's the second movie. And he's like, oh, and here's the third movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was it was actually cool. Um, chatted up with him. I gave him one of my flyers. So hopefully you're listening. Yeah, man. Yeah, shout outs to Brian O'Halloran. Yeah, and then um, also I got a chance to chat up with uh. Ken Lashley, who is a, a comic book artist who is known for his work on X-Men and Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. And it was actually funny because he stopped me. I was wearing a Dallas Cowboys hat. Of course. And, hey, I rep my teams. Gross. Well, at least it's not the, d- the dirty-ass Patriots, but go on. Stop getting these people roused up. <laughs> hey, what are they going to do about it? Yeah, you. Listen, they're, they're, you, you know what you went through last week. Eh, last week was small potatoes. Okay. Anyways, but uh, anyway, so I was watching and he just stopped me. He said, oh, my God, another Cowboys fan. And we was literally talking for like 10 minutes just about the Cowboys. Like we even I didn't even get a chance to ask him nothing. Yeah. (laughs) Jen Greenway anyway. So um, and we was just started to, you know, we just started talking. So then out of nowhere and you had you end up leaving. I was like, you you just end up like walking away, which yeah. I understand. Yeah, you're not a sports guy, but um, mm-hmm. so then out of nowhere, this um random older gentleman comes up to us. He taps me on the shoulder, so I'm uh, I'm thinking it's somebody who knows me and recognizes me. Mm-hmm. And it was him. He opens up his sweater and he has the cowboy star. Wow. So I'm like, oh man, that's what's up. So then we all started talking, and it turns out he's a uh, um. He's a newspaper columnist mm-hmm. from Canada. Oh, okay. And he said, and he was just telling me, he said, listen, I'm from Canada. Nobody's watching the Patriots up there. Mm-hmm. We are watching the Cowboys. Oh, there you go. Wow. So Canada, apparently the Cowboys are not only America's team, but Canada's team. No, we're the world's team. Okay, we have the, the number one sports franchise in the world. Yeah, that's debatable. Okay. No, is it, it the the facts are there? For like Forbes put up, they put out um like a yearly list, an annual list mm-hmm. of the top uh franchise sports franchises in the world. Yeah. Yeah, and the Cowboys are number one. Wow, that's that's impressive. It's very impressive because I'm so I'm still shocked. Like all these rich ass soccer teams that are going on in the world and stuff. Like you would yeah. think they would be like number one. I think they're actually number two. I think Manchester United is number two. Okay, I would think they were number one. Wow. Yeah, sure. that's what I thought. They probably had it. I know we were like the number one franchise for like almost ten years now. Mm-hmm. Wow. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, we're the world's team. World's team, even though football's only played in North America. But okay. I think now there's some European leagues going on. Too. European football. Mm-hmm. I think they call it rugby. 
No, there's actually like an there's like an NFL Europe. Really? Yeah. Oh Jesus, the virus is spreading. Is it you just hate sports or hate football? I mean, I'm not a fan of sports in general, but football most of all, it gets under my skin. It really grinds my gears. Don't watch a soccer game. I've seen I've watched soccer games. Though if you hate football fans, you would hate soccer fans. Oh, I, I know about soccer fans. Like they are worse. They're worse. You you hate well, football because you're you're surrounded by like majority of your friends are football fans and too obsessed with it as a culture. Right. So, but it's worse. Wor- it's soccer fans are much much worse, especially overseas. Oh, I know overseas soccer fans like, are pretty they racist. Riot. Right. They riot. Soccer matches like they settle political disputes. Hmm. Really? Yeah. I mean, I've heard I've heard I've heard stories about soccer players who were killed mysteriously. Yeah. Because they lost. Yeah. It's that it's that intense. Uh, yes, you, you you see what sports has done to our society, man? It's competition. Competition my ass, man. Yeah. But um yeah, so like um but yeah, overall, I I enjoyed myself. I only went to Comic Con that one day, so yep. Saturday. Yeah, but yep. it was it was so it felt so good and be refreshing. How you just, it was just nerds completely took over downtown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and they, I will, and I would say like the nerd community is the best community like ever to be a part of. I'll I'll agree with that. So like it, it was just it was just a good feeling just mm. to be surrounded by like your own kind. Yeah, your own people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what's up. I mean, I I enjoyed the uh, Comic Con for the most part. Um, I was this is my third year going, so third year in a row because I started in twenty fifteen. Um, the best the best uh thing for me at the con was getting to see the Luke Cage panel. Yeah, I've been wanting to see. I didn't even want to ask you about it. Like you mentioned it, and I didn't want to ask you about it because I ra- I want to hear Ron direct from, right on the yeah. podcast. So go ahead, get into it. Yeah, so on Sunday, I went to the, uh, I, I left early enough to go to the Luke Cage panel. So I was near the front of the line. And uh, so, I, so I had a good seat and I took some, some pictures of the, of the main cast that was there. So the Luke Cage panel, we had uh, Mike Coulter uh, uh, as Luke Cage himself, uh, Simone Missick, Misty Knight, uh, Theo Rossi. I was there. Shades. Shades. Yep. Yo, shout out to my boy Walter. Yo, Salty. He was like, what? He had his hair cut just like him, and he just threw out a pair of glasses, and it was before he grew his beard, and he was like, you know, shades, and I'm like, oh, shit. Oh. And then a couple of people, I'm not going to go all out and say that I did, but a couple of people have said that I looked like Cottonmouth. I don't see it at all. I, I didn't see it either. Yeah, I don't see it either, but a couple lying. of people did. It was like probably like two or three. Yeah. Beer goggles. That's what I'm thinking. Mm. And... um. So yeah, I just took and you know I took a I took a picture with Walter. It's um oh it was on my Snapchat, so it's gone now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just labeled it as shades and cottonmouth just as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So yeah, like he was there. Uh, Jade Wu was there. She played the the restaurant owner of um what's that restaurant? It was in the Defenders that they spent some time in. Uh, I know who you're talking about because I'm picturing the scene, but I just can't remember the name. Yeah, I forget the name of the restaurant, but uh, she plays That's the, an awesome Asian name. Yeah, Jade Wu. Yep, yep, that was her. And uh, Frank Whaley was there. He played uh, Misty Knight's partner. Oh, okay. Yep. I saw the yeah because I saw um one of our um one of our cosplayer friends we uh, made friends with. Yeah. Uh, what was her name? 
what was her name? Because I want to give her a shout out. You can find her on Instagram as Miss A.A. Francis. Shout out to her. She was Riri Williams. Yeah, that was dope. Yeah, it was Iron Man. She had the Iron Man mask that light up that lit up and an acronator that lit up. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, shout out to her. But um yeah, she took a picture with the cast. She got a chance to take a picture with the cast, and I'm like, oh my god, who's the guy? Who's the guy at the end? Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember remember his face, but I'm like, I'm not gonna go to and go watch Luke Cage just to just for one character. But mm-hmm. so I'm glad you clear you know, clarified that for me. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the panel itself was really cool. Um, like they, like they all had, they all shared their, shared their anecdotes on set and like how they got into, how they got cast in the roles and how they got into the business overall. Um, some of the things that they that they talked about were were um, like some some fun fun stories they, they had on the had on the set. Like for example, uh, Mike Coulter, he said that um, he talked about the the importance of craft services like on the set because like he's the type of person who get, who would get hangry. <laughs> and like and they, and they did they did a couple of uh, fight scenes where like he was actually pissed off while doing the while performing the fight scenes and some of it was actually captured in the actual in the final show. Good. And um, the reason why was because apparently like he's a big fan of almond butter and for some reason craft services didn't have almond butter one day and then he just got really bothered by it and then he just like let his anger out on screen. <laughs> so I was like, it makes the acting genuine. It, it did. It did. So I thought that was pretty, pretty hilarious. Um, they also talked a bit, a bit about the show too, as far as like season two is concerned. Um, they, uh, Frank Willie joked that they're gonna get, they're getting Kenny Rogers to do some of the songs, as as part of a spoilers for season two. But, but he did say that. Um, uh, but Mike Coulter made, made an interesting point that uh, for season two, um, that they that, that they actually had like w- more musical guests who actually requested to be part of. Luke Cage, part two. the culture. Yeah, they had a lot, lot really like like a lot more hip hop artists, not just them, but also artists from like other genres that wanted to get on. Really? And in fact, um, I think uh, Coulter uh, mentioned that Finn Jones is like a big music fan himself. So like Finn Jones actually offered some suggestions as as to who should be on the show for season two, and and some of those artists you'll hear from them when when season two rolls around. Did they say when season two was coming out? Uh, it's definitely gonna be next year, probably in the spring. I, I I would I would think, but they didn't say exactly when. I'll be ready. Oh yeah, um, you know Mike Coulter was in uh, Men in Black Three. He was. Yeah, he played Agent J's father. Who we found out to be Agent J's father. Really? Yeah, I posted a meme of uh, a meme. Uh, I posted a meme about it on our uh, social on our Instagram. Huh? How about that? Oh, I'm, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to find dig that up. Um, oh. Uh, we had some. They had, there were some fans in attendance at the panel who asked questions, and one of the fans asked an interesting question for Mike Coulter, asking uh, whether or not there there will be an MCU film versus a Netflix uh, crossover event. Whoa, where that sounds expensive. And the reason why the reason why this fan asked, wow, wow, that was him. Yeah, you wouldn't even <laughs> you never would have thought. Now I see it. Yeah. And the reason why this fan asked if there was going to be a crossover event between the MCU and Netflix was because in the comics, apparently Luke Cage has become the the new leader of the Avengers. Um, and um, and and uh, Mike Coulter said that um, he's doubtful that that would happen, and he said that it would not make much sense because of the tone. Uh, yeah, is so wildly different. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it's like if you were to bring like Luke Cage or any of the Netflix characters to the MCU, you would have to tone them down to the point where it's like it's not really them. Yeah. And also, 
um but he said that like but he he kind of he kind of left a little bit of room for open-mindedness because he said that like at the end it's all in the writing like if you can pull it off on the script then it could happen in a way that makes sense but he's really doubtful that that it would even take place um also also he he also did mention like he used another example of the dc eu how he said that like how like just just how it wouldn't make sense to have the Netflix series, Netflix characters in the MCU, larger MCU, it's like it's like it wouldn't make sense for it. It doesn't make sense for DC having two different flashes, where you have like a a beloved Flash, a popular Flash on the TV series, yeah. like Grant Gustin, and you have Ezra Miller in the Justice League movie. It's like, well, why not just use Grant Gustin? So it was I like, I don't know why they didn't do that. Yeah, apparently, I don't know. Maybe they want to. I guess like. Like have its have its own film DC have their own film universe be its own separate thing, but it's like well if you got the resources why not? But um but I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. I mean I I, I didn't know that Luke Cage is is the leader of the Avengers Avengers in the comics. I would be curious to to read that actually. Um also Theo Rossi he was there and naturally he was asked about Sons of Anarchy and like yeah. if there were any similar similarities between his character Shades and his role in in the show. I, I don't know. see I don't see any. Um, of course, like he did play in, um, in Sons of Anarchy, he played, um, Juice, who mm. was, um, he was actually Puerto Rican, he was funny, he was actually Puerto Rican in the show too, but then ah. later on he found out that he was half black. Oh, okay. Um, Juice was kind of like, like he was the, he was in a way like a tech head, mm-hmm. but he was kind of an idiot. Okay, but then he was, but then like towards the end, be, towards the end, like he started like battling some crazy, crazy demons mm-hmm. with himself, especially like when he found out that he was um half black, because there was an unwritten rule that blacks weren't allowed in Sam Crow, oh, in, in the in the group, mm-hmm. but it was unwritten because they just never had him. They would like they weren't racist, okay. they weren't racist people at all, but they just they just never had blacks in there. Okay. Yeah. So and then they end up putting they end up putting one in at the end of the series. Sorry if anybody um yeah, sorry if anybody if I spoil that for anybody. Okay. And it was interesting too because like uh he was asked um if there was going to if there was going to be um if he would have an interest in doing a Sons of Anarchy prequel series and and to which he said no. He said he had no interest in doing that because Sons of Anarchy the show itself was lightning in a bottle. And he said that, and he said, "Spoiler alert! Everybody on the show dies anyway. So why, so why revisit that, those characters?" Although he did say, "No, there are there are living members. Mm-hmm. At, by the time the show ended, there are living members, but there was a yeah, there's a lot. Of, that's why you. I'm so surprised you haven't talked. There's a lot of death, and I'm gonna tell you this right now. Okay, to draw you in the Sons of Sons of Anarchy, mm-hmm. there's no, there is cancer. Okay, but nobody dies from it." Oh. Everybody dies in a worse way. Okay. Everybody's death is just awful. Oh wow. Like awful. Okay. Like Game of Thrones awful? With guns. Oh, okay. Okay. You you you're speaking my language now. I might I might have to dig into this like show. I, like I remember like watching, you know, you know how some shows have those like after after talk shows. Yeah. And they and they brought that up and they said, you know. Nobody's died a normal death in this show, hmm. and this was like towards the end of the series. And I'm like, you know what? They haven't. Wow. Huh. 
Okay, so that I, I, I'm, I'm gonna have to get back on that horse because I, I did watch the first two episodes of season right. one, just like how I did. Same thing with me with Breaking Bad. All right, yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll get back on that horse soon because I I, I it, it is interesting and I do want to see. It's a great show, and it's a it's a great show. It's probably one of my all time favorite shows. Mm, indeed. All right, I'm a, I'm a, like I said, I'll get back on that horse soon. Um, Especially now I told you about freaking awesome, horrible deaths. I mean, hey, if dramatically, if it makes sense, then I'm all for they it. They all do. Okay. They all do. And hey, I mean, I just. And a lot of spontaneous ones, too. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, hey, look, listen, I'm, I'm, it, a, I'm it, a, it's, it's like Game of Thrones. Anybody can get it. Okay. All right. Anybody can get it. All right. Now you have my attention. I will get on that. Um, yeah. So he, he did mention, uh, he did talk about a bit about that. Um, uh, he they they also talked a bit about like how much of their personality was in their roles as well, and I, which I thought was pretty interesting. I'm interested about Theo Rossi. If he mentioned anything, if you remember, um, he did say that like because um, this this kind of t- tied into their the question of like what kind of jobs they, they did before getting into acting or before being cast. Mm-hmm. And uh, Theo Rossi did mention that he's been you know working since he was nine. Like the first job he had was like a a paper route, but then he, in his words, he hustled. For for a long time, everybody hustles. Yeah, well, his might might have he implied from the way he sounded, he implied that it was maybe a little on the illicit end. But hey, you do what you got to do, you know. Oh, oh, okay. You know, you know. Did I tell you to sell drugs? No, Hope, Hope did, did that. that. So hopefully, hopefully you, you won't have, have to go, go through that. that. <laughs> so like he he talked about his experiences, uh, you know, uh, coming up being on the grind in that way. Um, Simone Missick, uh, she mentioned that like. The biggest thing that she did prop was was a Little Caesars commercial in Detroit in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta look that up. Yeah, um, uh, the uh, the actor, uh, um, the actress Jade Wu, um, uh, she was uh, she she actually was a, a who who played like the the restaurant owner in Luke yeah. Cage. Uh, she actually she actually wrote personal ads for the Village Voice. So like if you like basically like dating ads like oh man seeking woman this and that like she would write those out, <laughs> and, and I'm not trying to laugh at anybody's hustle, but that is funny. Yeah, and like, uh, I never would I've never heard of anything like that. I probably never would have thought anybody would have had that job. I thought you. Yeah, it's it, it was it pays a, the bills. It, it it pays the bills, and uh and Frank Whaley he did mention that um he. Uh, wrote and directed a, a, in his in what he said it was an underrated film of his, which I hadn't heard about until he mentioned it. It's called it's called The Jimmy Show. Mm-hmm. And it was like it's a movie where which he wrote and directed and starred in, where he plays like some sort of bitter comedian on the come up. Okay. And I'm curious about. I'm, I'm, I, w- I will definitely track that down for sure. And uh, Mike Coulter, he, he actually talked about a bit about the importance of education. He talked about like um, one of his jobs. He used to work at a group home. For in in Los Angeles, dealing with LA kids. Yay! <laughs> so group yeah. homes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you got something common with the man himself. So you know, he did that. Um, he talked about the importance of education. While he went to college, he actually has a master's. Um, he also talked a bit about um, being in being in debt as far as like education goes. How he said that how some how how a lot of people would would have no problem getting getting in debt as far as like like buying a car. But they would, but they wouldn't, but they would balk at like getting an education. Yeah, and that's he, true. and he, and he mentioned that you know, like, and this is one of the biggest takeaways I, I took from the panel, where he said that you know, above all else, like, there's no way you can avoid debt. So at the end of the day, you have to invest in yourself. 
you know, invest in yourself, you know, that which means edu- get that education and it'll take you far. Right. And I thought that and I thought that was re- that was a really important point that he made. Um also uh also I'm looking through my notes here if I miss anything. Uh yeah, this, that was that was pretty much like the the whole gist of the panel. Like they're just it was pretty funny, you know, they had some they had a good rapport. Uh season 2 is coming out next year. Um uh also oh also one other thing about the panel too. Um none of them actually knew anything about Luke Cage except Theo Rossi because he was a comics fan. So he Really? Knew, yeah, so like I think I mentioned I think I've heard um Mike Coulter mention that too because he was I remember hearing it on a on an episode of The Breakfast Club. Yeah. Yeah, like he knew nothing about the role. Like even yeah. like even when they auditioned, like the, all the names were changed. I guess like to to keep it secret. So like they had like certain like names and certain scenes that kind of switched around, which which gave them the impression that they were auditioning for like maybe like, like an ordinary cop drama or something like that. Yeah. And it wasn't until they got the roles, so I was like, okay, this is what you're doing. Yeah, I, I always call Luke Cage Marvel's New York undercover. Yeah, you know what? I guess it has the same vibe. I can see that. You know, speak, speak like that's how I would like sell it to like my family members and stuff. And they're like, "Oh, I've been watching this show called Luke Cage." I'm like, "Yeah, it's Mar- it's Marvel's New York Undercover." So once they heard New York Undercover, they mm-hmm. just they they were sold. And I think probably only one person watched it because not oh. many people have Netflix in my family. Uh, Some people do. My father's a bit, my father had it. Okay, he watched it. My dad's always been a comic book guy, anyways. Oh, that's what's up. Yeah. So like, yeah, I can see that because of the the musical guests, the yeah. hip hop vibe. Yeah, I can see that. I would love to see a New York Undercover reboot, though. I am so iffy about that because of my heart. I would just want, I well, want to see the original series like on DVD or something on Netflix or something. Yeah, I would too. They man. need to like get. They need Fox needs to get on the ball with that somehow, some way. Like, mm. uh, yeah, they who do we write to? We probably I, would have to write to Fox. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, because like all because all the musical guests that they use it it copyrights. It, yeah, it's uh, copyright. That's why that's why New York Undercover never arrived on DVD because of all the musical well, rights. Put it in syndication or something. It was on syndication for a while on BET TV One. Um, TV One would probably still have it. Yeah, like it's it's. I like that channel. Yeah, like it 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 came in it came and went like like five years ago, like last time I saw it, but. I would love to see. I mean, this is a case where bootlegging is essential. Where yeah. I'll make an exception, like if there's a bootleg edition of the whole season of New York, whole series of New York Undercover, except season season four. Season four was hot garbage. I'll definitely buy it. Yes, I will. But yeah, uh, Luke Cage. That was an awesome panel. Um, definitely looking forward to season two. Um, I also uh, walked around. Uh, I, I, there was one panel that I really wanted to go to, but it was. The line was way too long. Just Stranger Things, yo, Stranger my things. God. I'm yeah. so sorry about that. I'm like, you know, we could probably try to make it because I'm an optimistic guy. Like, mm. And that's how we did see, we snuck into Legends of Tomorrow. Sure, not many people watch mm-hmm. Legends of Tomorrow. It was a, I mean, it was crowded, mm-hmm. but we still managed to get in because that, that when this was last year. And yeah. we were still, I, I was actually entertained by it. And I'm not a DC guy at all. Yeah, me too. Like the, it, it was, a, it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, like, you could tell that they were into it. Yeah, um, but you know, besides that, um, there weren't any other panels that really caught my interest. My, mine either. Like we sat down, we sat in on the Harley Quinn panel just because, like, we needed to sit down for a while. Yeah, yeah, that was. So um, it was still rather like it. It was still rather interesting. How um, I don't think they were creators, but they were artists who worked on like various Harley Quinn comics and stuff. Yeah, they were just saying like the you know how much they they did appreciate Marco Robbie's uh 
um, performance in Suicide Suicide Squad. Yeah. Regardless if it was a shit movie and pretty much. Okay, we all know Harley Quinn made the movie. Made the movie. Yeah. Well, with some help of Will Smith. Yeah, but not by much because the whole movie was trash. I'm sorry, John Haponic, if you're still watching. Suicide Squad is still trash. I'm sorry. It is. We need to have him on the show. We, oh we yes. Need to get his ass up here somehow, some way. Yeah, at and just like yeah, you know, we would have a field day if he was on. Yes, like at some point, yeah, some furniture moving. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like at some point, we will get John Haponic on this show whenever he visits Rhode Island, and uh, be, I will say that I got a victory from him when he when he agreed that Batman versus Superman is terrible. So I still have no proof of that. I would not lie to you. He did say I, this. I know you would not lie to me, but I I still want to hear it from his mouth. I think I you told would. him, listen, create a video mm-hmm. and post it on the pages. Inbox me if you can. If inbox me if you have to. Yes, we we will get that. I I want that. I want proof to hear him say that. Yes, we will make it happen, people. Um, let's see what else. What else was what else was cool about Comic Con? Um, uh. I didn't see. I didn't get as much uh, swag as I did last year. You was breaking. You broke. You was behind on bills last year, wasn't you? A little bit. Yeah, well, see, I knew it. well, not, I, I I always pay my bills on time. Like I kind of a little more, a little more debt with a one one particular credit card. But um, but I did I did manage to pick up uh, four cool T shirts uh, this year. This one I bought from last year's Comic Con. Um, so, so Alice in Wonderland and Spirited Away. Yeah, okay. Two awesome. Netflix. uh i i caught i got one um rebel atari t-shirt yeah uh I, I got that i got a super i got a awesome the super, super nintendo and the playstation one was right next to it i yeah, wanted to get the super one. nintendo one but i never owned one uh you never owned a super nintendo no wow i went from new i went from nintendo straight to sega oh okay i got you so you're you're a genesis guy yeah i got you yeah, so I got that. Um, I even got a uh, uh, this really cool uh, Alec Guinness T-shirt with the Guinness uh, oh, beer yeah. logo. Took, we took that was a yeah. That's on. We took a picture of that. That's on uh, social medias. Yeah, with which with that which uh, Afton Holt held up. So it was like at Sir Alec Guinness with the Guinness uh, beer logo. And I thought that was pretty impressive, most impressive. So I had to buy that. Yeah, and I even bought a uh, near automata T-shirt with the, with the main character Two B. Uh, the the the. The girl that you took when she dressed up as that and yeah, poor freaking girl had a whole she had her own photo shoot. She really did on the sky bridge. On the sky bridge that connects the convention center and the Providence Place Mall. Yeah, she really did. Like like she was working it. She was like, yo, shout out to that uh, particular cosplayer because Uh, like I couldn't stop and get to get her Instagram handle, but it's on our pages. You'll see it. Yeah, shout out. Yeah, shout outs to her because like it was earlier. Earlier in the, on the in a day on Saturday, like I saw I saw her like on the opposite end of the uh, main hall. I'm like, is that an is that a near automata cosplayer? I was like, if so, yo, props because no one would think no one would think to to dress up as that character because near automata it's a, it's a really good game. Mm-hmm. And then then when we saw her on the on the sky bridge, I'm like, yo, I, I got to take a couple pictures. And yeah, I did. you literally was like, you like damn near knocked me over. Get my camera, get my camera on my back right now. I got to get this cosplay because. Okay. Yeah, because it looks. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> because it looks so dope. Because like she nailed the complete look of the character from like the 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 black blindfold and the platinum blonde wig. Okay, I'm like gonna have the, to see. Yeah, I'm gonna have to see this. Uh, I'm gonna have to see this play. Yep. This. The black dress and boots and the katana. I was like, yo, that that was awesome. That was that was 
that was probably my my second favorite cosplay next to the Al- Aloy one from Horizon Zero oh, Dawn. Oh man, let me see. I had let me see. I had to open up the uh, Instagram. Let me see. I okay. There is one in particular. Mm-hmm. There was this lady, and she was dressed up as Carl from The Walking Dead. Coral. She was Coral. <laughs> so I'm like Afton. I'm taking a picture with this woman. Mm-hmm. So we took the picture together, and I'm like, I'm like, thank you. Nice meeting you. Mm-hmm. My name's Carl, by the way. <laughs> she had a good laugh at that. We both did. So, yep. Carl with Carl. Yep. The eye patch and everything. Yeah. Bloody eye patch as well. Um, the Melisandre. This this Warcraft cosplay. I had to talk to this dude. It's not. Yeah. If you can show that. Um, that's like a, someone dressed as an orc in full regalia, full makeup. Look, but... Yeah. You can see it. You can see it on our Facebook, uh, Facebook yeah. photos page. But yeah, that was pretty dope. I was impressed. And I'm looking at the feed just to see it. Yeah. Okay, you can barely see it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, there was also a. Um, there yeah, was a- I actually. T- yeah, but I actually talked to him. I t- and I told him I was like, I bet you had to get up at three in the morning just for all this on. He said, Nope, twenty minutes. Really? Especially with the makeup. Wow. Twenty minutes. But it's like the way he made the the way he made the costume. Everything could just easily like slip on. Wow, that's that is innovative. So highly impressive. Mm, indeed, yeah. I mean, there were. I mean, there were very, very many impressive cosplayers. Like for example, I, I came across like the only two. Uh, this couple that they were dressed as a Navi from Avatar, which I thought was, I saw that. Yeah, which I thought was pretty dope. I saw them shortly after the uh, Luke Cage panel on Sunday. Yeah, and um, there was this one. She was, she was about an older. She was an older woman, mm-hmm. but she was dressed up as Harley Quinn. Really? This one. You took the picture. Yeah. I didn't know if that was Harley Quinn. Okay, I I could see like the the blue and pink uh hair. Yeah, she was uh, yeah, she was like a dressed she was like a dressed up Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she was older, but I was like, "You know what? I got to take a picture of her cuz I loved her confidence." Yeah, she kind of dressed up like Harley Quinn going to the club. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was that was yeah. I was like, "Hey, big ups to her." She um, looked good. She was not. She was not a bad looking chick. She looked good. Hey, she know. gave me a kiss on the cheek, and she was expecting you to take the picture, but you didn't. No, because like you had it on the Instagram, yeah. so like it went right, right to like the filters page. I'm like, oh, it wouldn't let me go back. Um, oh, uh, one 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 group of cosplayers which I thought was pretty cool was the the, the Naruto, Naruto's that the we took Naruto, a picture, yeah. and the one Super Mario guy who was kind of just like a industrial Super Mario. He like like the. I remember seeing that one. Yeah, kind of like like a, like a flak jacket type deal, but yeah, just like and, in Mario. Yeah, shout outs to um, what is it? your friend Quill. His name was Cody. His name was Cody. He was dressed mm-hmm. up as the Great Salmon. Yeah, that was a good one. He actually has a podcast that we talk. We actually got a chance to talk for a little bit. We will be collaborating like very very soon. Indeed, probably like the new year. Probably after the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a She Hulk one. This woman, she was like a female bodybuilder. Yep. Yep. So she dressed up as She-Hulk. Yeah, I thought that was really dope too. Like you had to nail, nail that. Um, yep. Oh, one of my favorite uh, cosplayer groups was uh, the Batman Rogues Gallery. That, that was you. That was another time where you knocked me over just to be like, like I didn't even exist. You said boom. Did I? Can I take the, um, Can I take a picture, of you guys? Okay, big damn. I didn't. I didn't knock you over. Don't exaggerate. A little bit. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. You, you kind of pushed me out the way, though, just to get that pic, just to get the. I mean, well, I apologize, but uh, they they were all lined up. So he had a Catwoman, 
Bane, Penguin, uh, uh, not Poison Ivy, um, Scarecrow, and there was one other. There was one other person who was dressed up as well. But they, but it was a, it was a rogues gallery of uh, of villains, and they all had like their mugshots, mugshot placards lined up with the date of Comic Con on the. On yeah. them. I took a picture. It, it was it was it was so cool. Like like man, rogue the rogues gallery right here. Um. Also, so someone dressed as Doctor Strange, which I caught as yeah, well. Yeah, there was a few Doctor Strange I saw. I saw Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. Shout outs to really cool. Babs Butcher for that one. Yeah, so there were there were tons of really really unique and really fresh looking cosplayers uh, that I've seen. It inspired Apton, she wants to start cosplaying now. There you go. Although I will say um, about about the. And not so much about the cosplayers themselves, but this does get into sort of the bad about Comic Con, at least as far as my experience goes. Um, and this and this actually goes back to when Jim Savard was on our show last time, when he talked about uh, like fan bases that annoy you. Yeah, and he mentioned cosplayers. Uh, not, I guess because like how people, how some of them was just like like stop on a dime and have people take pictures of them. I ran into this. Pro- I ran into this problem a lot during Comic Con, and this also speaks to like the disorganization of the Rhode Island Comic Con. Where uh, when we first came in, um, the way it was set up was that um, everyone had to enter from the Dunkin' Donuts Center to the Convention Center, and you had to circle the entire concourse of the Dunk just to get to the walkway to access the main hall in the Convention Center. That that I actually understood. I understood why they did that because a lot. I remember last year they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So you would walk in through the through the civic center, mm-hmm. and you just go right. They would go right into the bridge, and that just created a, a lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. So it kind of smoothed it down a little bit, but it was just in a way it was just kind of it just still kind of ended up a mess. It did. It was just that's all it was. It was just a mess. Like they, tra- it was. It was something that they tried to do, but it was just a mess. It was just the people itself. I wouldn't blame like the Comic Con committee for that one. Well, well, I would say that there's some blame to be had, but I'll get it to that in a second. Like, like I ran into this problem where you had I ran into more than a few people, not so much the cosplayers themselves, but the people who would take pictures of the cosplayers. Where you had, I ran into some people who would stop on a dime and would just block the flow of you know traffic. foot traffic. You know, just to take a picture, and like there was this one kid who really irritated me early on, where he took a picture. Of, he took a picture of some cosplayer who was dressed as um one of the droids from Star Wars Rogue One, a K two S O. That was his name. Yeah, K two S O. Because I remember asking you, I'm like, Yo, what was that? What was his name? Like it was just escaping me because I yeah. liked that character. Yeah, I thought he was funny in the movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there like, oh my god, yo, he's that. I was like, yo, he's the droid from Star Wars. I'm like, yeah, I couldn't recall the name at the time, and that's shocking for you. Yeah, well, Rogue One was eh, anyway, but but like this kid would t- took one picture of, of the guy in the in the cosplay in a cosplay, and then like he would still like without and having any consideration of the people behind him, he would like, stop and like focus the image on his phone just to take another picture, and I, and I and I lost my patience at that point. I'm like, man, fuck off! And I just, you like, have no patience. I just I just walked right past him, right in front of his shot, and I just kept it moving because like as he was taking a picture. There was a wide gap between him and like the people who were walking in front of him. So I was like, dude, have some consideration. So that that was part of the reason why I, I was kind of like really pissed off like for part of the day on Saturday because I, I ran into that problem a lot, especially on the main floor. Yeah. But then my thing was with that is like it's I didn't let it get to me because it's it's to be expected. Like I been I went through it every year I've been to Comic Con. Really? Yeah. Like it's funny because like for me like the previous two years I never had that problem. Oh, I did. 
Wow. I did a lot. And it just didn't bother me because, and then not to mention, it's like I couldn't really, I I couldn't really get mad because sometimes I would stop mm-hmm. for the, you know, for a lot of those pictures because it's like I, you know, I want to try to keep it moving, and then I did, and I was slowing down traffic a bit because I was trying to get these pictures up like right away as we were going be, yeah. and get those Instagram handles and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like sometimes, sometimes you know, it's hard for me to walk and type at the same time. So I'm like. So I try to, I would at least walk until I can get to like a corner mm-hmm. so I can like stop. But then I try to go as fast, I would try to go as fast as possible because of the simple fact like, oh, I'm another one's going to catch my eye. Yeah. So that's why I didn't get, so I didn't get mad so much. I understand why people would get annoyed by why you would have gotten annoyed by it. Mm-hmm. But it, I just kept in mind like it's, it, it's to be expected. I mean... Sure, but also I would say, and this and this goes back to um, the Comic Con committee. Like I do place uh, some blame on blame on them, and in, in that, like I think it's irresponsible of them to oversell the amount of tickets, like well beyond the capacity of both the convention center and the Dunkin' Donuts center, because like. Well, no, because remember, because the crowd, well, the, the, thing, the crowd was way bigger this year than it was the previous two years, and I saw it, I felt but it. But then again, there was more space that a lot of people didn't know about. Like they had the tents out the the heated tents outside mm-hmm. that and I don't think a lot of people really knew about it because a lot of people always remembered the civic center and the convention center mm-hmm. so that's where everybody pretty much like reside in, but there were also those outdoor those heated tents outside yeah. that were very less populated mm-hmm. if you notice because we did go out there yeah I so think- they added on so I'm guaranteed like they're gonna add they're gonna add more. Mm-hmm. Where they can still be able to sell, they're still gonna sell more tickets because Comic Con is gonna get it's gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger every year. Yeah, like so you just so in a way you just you're gonna have to prepare for that. Well, I think that there has to be a better preparation on the on the uh, on the end of the committee that organizes Comic Con uh, because like if they're if they're overselling tickets still. And if it gets, it's going to be way bigger to the point where it's like, you're going to have gonna to. Block off, they're going to block off the street. Yeah, you're going to have to block off the street. That's going to be a flat out block party. That's going to yeah. be insane. You have to like block off part of Empire Street downtown. And it's like, you're going to have to get the library involved probably, which might be cool. But, but you know. They it, won't go for that. Yeah. Not the, not the library downtown. There's like way too many. I mean, I'm sure they can like block off where all like the older, where, where all the older and rare and historic books are. But. Mm-hmm. They won't. I don't think they would. They would never go for. Never. They would mm. not go for that. Well, they. But yeah, yeah, they can probably like block off. Because remember, they knocked off what was what used to be the old um, welfare building. Yeah. They they tore that down. So that can like that's gonna open up a lot of space. Because I don't know what if they're gonna do anything about do mm. anything with that space downtown. Mm. So that's gonna leave that's gonna leave them so some open space. It's gonna be a. It's gonna get bigger and bigger. I know and. Like I have mixed feelings about that, uh, having having it being way bigger than it already is. Because like, if this year was any indication, it's like, unless like unless the committee like does a way better job of like properly planning out the logistics of handling all that people and not overselling the amount of tickets. But here's the thing, and but here's the thing too: it, growing pains, mm-hmm. growing pains. Because Comic Cons really, Comic Cons have only been around for what, like six years now? Like here, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, six years. They've that's enough time to like really get your stuff together, though. At at that point. But there's a it, like I said, it gets bigger and bigger. So like, how are we gonna deal with this? Deal with this? Deal with this? And then it's just it's everything's just not gonna be perfect. Yeah. I don't I don't expect it to be perfect. 
Yeah, I suppose, but we'll we'll see. Um, I will say that, uh, like like I said, for the most part, I did enjoy myself. But um, did you do the sci-fi speed dating? I did do the sci- sci-fi speed dating. How'd that go? It was fun. It was it was it was it was totally fun. It was fine. Um, it was actually a small group. Like like last year's, it was um the whole room. So like like the edge, of the, all the edges of the room like were covered. This year it was like only one side. Oh really? Yeah, but it it was still fun. You know, I got I got a few numbers. My man. Yeah, you in do the it. Way Denzel, in the way Denzel Washington <laughs> said it. Yeah, you know, you you do what you can. But um, but I, I I had fun. It was cool, you know, getting to meet other fellow geeks and whatnot, fellow nerds. You know, just nerding it up. It's a huge networking opportunity. That's all I said. Great way, great way to just expand your circle. Absolutely, because I can tell you that, like, like you know, there's not there's not a there's not a whole lot of people like that I that at least that I meet that are into like nerd culture anyway. Exactly. And it gets yeah, it, it it gets a little, little like you know, you're twisting in the wind. It's like oh, by myself, great. I have no one to talk about. About oh god, there's, I'm literally there's like what three people in my family. Mm-hmm. I watch like Game of Thrones and stuff, and I'm just like. Yeah. Who am I gonna talk about this? Like it was right after the season finale, mm-hmm. and it was um, and what was it? Fourth? No, it was Labor Day. Yeah, yeah, Labor Day, and I'm just like, I wore this shirt, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I'm still, I'm still off that height. Yeah, you know when the season just ended, I'm like, oh my god, like I took, what, like who am I gonna talk about this with? There was like only one person. Mm-hmm. Was, shout out to my cousin Isaac, by the way. Nice. We'll call the Suicide Squad the Hot Topic Avengers. <laughs> That's what they are. <laughs> so that, he was the only one. I had other cousins, but they weren't at the cookout. So I'm just like, Empire's coming back. Oh, they can talk about Empire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. At least you have something there. There's, I mean, yeah, there's something there, but it's just like, there's more to it. I'm like, there's more to me. Mm-hmm. There's other things. Yeah. So yeah, um, any other thoughts about Comic Con? Any final thoughts? I, no matter what, I still enjoy myself, and like I said before, it's a great networking opportunity. That's how I generally look at it. So we, I've met a lot of people, and I and I enjoy that in in general. There's another thing too. Is like I ran into one of the artists that was at the uh, Harley Quinn panel, mm-hmm. um, Chad Harden. Yeah, I just ran into him at the mall. Like I did it again, Aris. I did it again. What? Like I ran into some, ran into one of the guests at Comic Con in the mall, and like nobody would have realized, and nobody would have realized it. Oh, like wow. he was just walking in the food court without without anybody noticing. I'm like, and I just said, "Hey, I enjoyed the panel. Oh, thank you very much." You know, mm-hmm. that was it. And then same thing with Brian O'Halloran. He when he was leaving his booth, he walked completely past us, and no, well, he said bye to me. He said bye to me. He remembered me, so mm-hmm. that was cool. Yep. And um. He said bye. He just said bye. Like he said bye to me, and I'm just like, I remember pulling this out. I'm like, dude, Brian O'Halloran is literally walking through this crowd, and nobody noticed. <laughs> That's true. Like he looks so <laughs> dead regular. Like it just, it was just funny to me. Mm-hmm. And then I remember that one year. That one year I went with Aris, and um, yeah, Aris is like, and I remember I, was, I ran, um, I ran into the one of the pink, the one of the yellow rangers, yeah, on the sky bridge. And me and Iris was just talking. I'm like, oh yeah, it's the Yellow Ranger. And she said hi to me. And she's like, and Iris is like, yeah, I don't know how the hell you like would have recognized her. Like she looks so dead. Re- well, dead regular is what I say, but mm-hmm. like she just blended in so well that nobody would, nobody else noticed but you. Wow. Yeah, I think that's. 
That's pretty cool, actually, in a way. It's I like, just see, I just see him. I kind of remember him, and then I'm like, oh, there's so and so. Yep. Yeah, it's nice to have that uh, that relative anonymity where you can still walk through a crowd and not have people hound you. Yo, shout outs to Amiana too, yo. She's a dope cosplayer, though, especially like when it comes to her Power Ranger stuff. Okay. So shout out to her. She's watching right now. Nice. What's up? So um but yeah, I enjoy Comic Con and you. Yeah, I enjoyed it for the most part. Um I will say if if I do go uh, again next year, it'll be for one day. Yeah. I always go one day. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. Question of the week. Yes. All right, so last week's question of the week is, name a game that you love playing but I've never finished. I said um, Horizon Zero Dawn and Resident Evil 7. Mm-hmm. You said it definitely wasn't The Witcher 3. You beat that like four times. No, I, I've only beat it twice. Uh, Excuse me, twice. <laughs> uh, Dark Souls 3. Dark Souls 3. Yeah. I knew it was a 3. Yeah. All right, so Suave Richardson said... Zelda's Ocarina of Time, the game was used and someone had already beat it. Uh. Um, Eddie Mundo said Assassin's Creed 1 and 2 and Black Flag. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, shout out to Alyssa Martineau. She was um, she was Carl from The Walking Dead, so I think that's who I took the picture with. Oh, nice. Hey. And then uh, John Haponic. Said Resident Evil 2, sad to say. After the elevator scene, I gave up. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, man. That's my favorite Resident Evil. Mm. All right. So on the Facebook... Oh, what the hell? <laughs> What's going on? I had to reload the page. Okay. So I got to find it. Mm. Talk. Oh, I was going to say another another answer for, for your last week's question of the week. Uh, Dragon's Crown for the PS3. Mm. I still have not finished that game. And I really like it. It's like a it's like a hack and slash game, kind of like Odin Sphere, because it has like that traditional two D hack and slash beat 'em up type deal with RPG elements. Mm, we need another beat 'em up. Yeah. What was the last good beat 'em up game? Mm. I would say like, not not hack and slash. Does does hack and slash games count? Like, like uh, I'm like talking about like just just like Streets of Rage level on X Men arcade games. Oh. arcade game. Man, the last good beat 'em up. Um. In in that in that vein, damn, I really can't think of one. Oh well, it was okay. Uh, Double Dragon Neon. I mean, but that's more for the soundtrack because the soundtrack was banging. But that's 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 the only one I can really think of. Streets of Rage. Yeah. Anyways, all right. I would say that's the best one. Yeah, Streets of Rage two. I like them all. Yeah, three was booty. I like them all. Listen, me and my cousin Joe, we had we had history with that one. All right. So, all right. So, um, on our Facebook, Nick Quattrini says, "Oh, there's been tons. Final Fantasy X got stuck on a boss and never finished GTA Three. Final Fantasy Fifteen switched to Xbox, so I never finished. I'm actually in the middle of Rise of the Tomb Raider. It took a break because I'm trying to 100% it in one shot, and it's been super hard digging for all the tre- treasures, mm. finding all the script." Kyle Chapman Senior says, "Duck Hunt." Really, Duck Hunt? <laughs> that's your game that you can't fit that you that you just couldn't beat. If you knew Kyle, you that's expect that's an expected answer for Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I've always hated that damn dog though. <laughs> yeah, I shot that dog every chance I got. Mm. Sorry, yeah. P- sorry, WWF and Peter and all them. 
It had no effect, though, when you shoot the dog, right? It did not. Okay. But it made me feel good knowing I was trying to shoot it. Okay, cool. You Somewhat. Mo- monster. And it, yeah, I am. <laughs> and uh, Eddie Ortiz says, watch dogs in GTA 3. Yeah. As a matter of fact, GTA 3 and 5 were the only ones I beat. Mm-hmm. Three? Yeah. Really? Not San Andreas or Vice City? Yep. Okay. I mentioned, you know what? I did mention those last yeah. week. Yeah. So this week's question of the week. All right. Lay it on me. This one's probably relatively easy. Okay. What was your first console? First console was the NES. It was 1989. I was five years old. Okay. To my remembrance was the original NES when I was six. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my sixth birthday party. Yep. But my dad said I did own, I, we did have an Atari. Oh, and it's an Atari 2600? Uh, don't even ask me which one it was. It's <laughs> just we had it. All I remember was we had an Atari. Mm. Yeah. Even, even when I was a kid, like once I had a taste of the NES and then I pl- went, went back and played Atari, I'm like, ew, this shit sucks. Nowadays, I'll probably say that, but I'll just be like, yo, I'm actually playing an Atari again and I'll like have fun. Just because of the simple fact that it's so retro. Yeah. It's as retro as it gets, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. In fact, I can rem- I can also remember like the first games I've played ever in life for the well, NES. My, uh, mine was like a three-pack. Mm-hmm. It was Super Mario, mm-hmm. Duck Hunt, and world-class track meet. And we actually did it. And we did have the power pad. Oh, wow. That's pretty dope. <laughs> we couldn't use it much because we lived on a second floor, though. Oh, okay. But once we moved into that first floor, it was on. Nice. Yeah, like my first games I ever, ever, I ever played were Mega Man Two, Ducktales, uh, Batman, based on the '89 film, okay. um, and of course Super Mario Brothers. Okay, Ninja. Oh yeah, Ninja Turtles. Ninja, oh yes, Ninja Turtles, the first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that game was hard as hell too. Yeah, it was. That's another game I like would never beat. Mm-hmm. I actually beat it on the uh, NES emulator. I just use a cheat code. Game Genie. Because I just wanted to see the end. Yeah, you remember, y'all remember Game Genie? <laughs> I never had it, but I remember that. I remember Game Genie. Yeah, um, man. So, yeah. Well, that's it. Uh, so that will be up on uh, social medias in within a day or two. But, uh, you know, send us your thoughts. If you went to Comic-Con, send us your thoughts and, e- and emails to CodexPrimePodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to all the cosplayers and everybody that we met at Rhode Island Comic-Con. And also, December 2nd. That's what? Two weeks away? Um, Just about. Maybe a little. Two, yeah. three weeks away. Yeah, two weeks away. Codex 100 is going to be located at Rock Coco's Collectibles. We also we got confirmed Joe that Jim Savard is going to be there. Um, and you're welcome to come to and just shoot the shit and join and be a part of this milestone episode. Yes. It that... starts at 1, 1 p.m. So come through, be a part of the show, take a look at some comics, some great titles that are going to be released there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a great time. Yes, sir. It's going to be on and popping. Yes. And also uh, tune in next week uh, for episode 99. Our, our episode before, episode 100, and we're going to have uh, Adrian Price yes. and Wildman Congo returning to the show. Yeah, he may not make it, so somebody just kidnapped him at his job so he oh. can show up. Dang. Okay, so 
up in the air for Congo, right? Yeah, up in the air for, but definitely Adrian. He said he's coming. Yes, Adrian. He's, he wants. He's bringing facts. Facts. He wants you to bring facts. Facts. Okay. Evidence. No opinions. Okay. Facts. All right. So yes, I am looking forward to next week's uh, uh, episode with Adrian Price. He's he's a big Roman Reigns fan slash apologist. He's gonna bring in facts about why he thinks Roman Reigns is the guy. I'm gonna bring in some facts as to why Roman Reigns is not the guy. And we're gonna be talking about Survivor Series and NXT Takeover uh, next week as well. And if we can, we'll try to fit in Justice League. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we'll see. Uh, well, we'll see because we'll it comes see. out comes out this week. It's a lot. Deadpool. I mean, not Deadpool. Punisher comes out on Friday. Oh, shit, that's right. Dang, yo, that, that might be that might that might be what episode one hundred stuff. Is a, uh, it's such a uh, episode one hundred. Everybody's gonna want to. We given our listeners the chance to talk about what they want to talk about. Right, but um. They'll, chances are they might want to talk about Punisher. We'll have it. We'll have we'll say one on one's gonna be episode one. Oh, damn it. Because we gotta do Justice League. Yeah, maybe Victor's Corner. I don't know. A special edition. I don't know. But we'll we'll, we'll find out. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll figure, figure it, it out, out, people. Yes. We'll, put, we'll probably put no one on one should one on one will be Justice League. One oh two will be Punisher. That gives other people that gives people enough time to catch up. Because we're gonna well, spoil the hell out of both of them. Right. So but we'll 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 see. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. Yes. So uh yes, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. Later.